Welcome to Word of God. We're three English majors who have set out to analyze Supernatural now that it's done to figure out what it was supposed to be, what it became, and how. And I'm Ash, the old-time fan. My pronouns are vvimver, vimself, or it itself. Uh, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ash comma man. I'm Emma, the latecomer. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. You can follow me on Tumblr at LazarusEmma. I'm Wyatt, the newcomer. I use he, him pronouns. You can follow me on Twitter at ToppleThrones. You can follow the show on Twitter at WordOfGodCast and on Tumblr at Tumblr.com slash WordOfGodCast. Okay. Okay, here we go. Episode Hell one, yeah. baby. Hell yeah. Pilot. I do like that they didn't come up with a title. They were just like, this is the pilot, take it. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, it's the pilot. It's fine. I know. Like, so many shows do that. Like, I know it's the thing, but it's just so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not everywhere. We came up with a title. <laughs> That's a true. title yeah, for the show. Called, well, yeah, we could call. Hold on, we could call this episode "Pilot." Well, now we have to. That would be hilarious and ironic. <laughs> so the show starts in Kansas in '83, I think. Yeah. Uh, we get immediate fridged wife. Excellent mm-hmm. start. Great. What else are we gonna expect from Supernatural? Well, you know, it really sets the tone. You gotta say. You know exactly yeah. what you're getting into after this one. Mm-hmm. You sure mm-hmm. fucking do. Okay. So so we open with uh, Dean and Sam Winchester. Sam's a little baby. They're like, oh, the little baby. He's so cute. Say goodnight to him. And then they hear him crying over the baby. What's that thing called? Baby monitor. monitor. Baby monitor. Thank you. And there's a person standing there. And what's her name? Mary? Yeah. Mary's... Yeah. Mary... I'm sorry, Mary. I'm sure you'll it's okay. Be you'll get you'll get the names eventually. Um, Mary is Mary sees who she thinks is her husband John standing there, uh, and then she goes downstairs because she hears the TV and she's and she sees John asleep on the couch and then comes upstairs again and then everything explodes and there's fire. I know he he hears her scream and comes upstairs. Then there's a flame explosion and she's stuck on the roof. And it's a fantastic image, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. her just bleeding down on him, looking terrified, gravity reversed. It's the start of, It's a strong start, except for the fact that it immediately fridges his wife. But, you know, the visuals are good. Yeah, it's a good visual. I was creeped out, yeah. personally, by just the man standing there. I'm excited to see who that is, I guess. Yeah. And what the fuck he was doing in the nursery. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to wait a while. This is great, you don't know anything. Yeah. No, this I don't. So I I know absolutely nothing, and it's great. Literally everything Wyatt knows about Supernatural is osmosis and the shit I've yelled in voice uh-huh. chat about. <laughs> I know the ending. I know a lot about the ending, which is great. Which is the yeah. best thing to know about Supernatural. I guess that's a thing that we should say going. <laughs> so I know how this story ends, but that's basically it. That's not true. I know who God is. I know some other stuff. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that later. But uh. Time skip after, well, the house explodes. Dean rescues Sam, which I feel like is a good start for Dean. Immediately, we got the brotherhood relationship set up. Uh, He runs out of the house. Sympathetic start to this Uh four-year-old. It also immediately establishes, because Dean doesn't just, like, grab Sam and go. John gives Sam to Dean and says, take him outside. Yes, that's true. And, like, 
that is such that is the beginning of Dean like taking care of Sam and Dean being yeah. Sam's father. And it was yeah. yeah, and it was Dean was told to protect Sam by his dad, which definitely mm-hmm. feels like there's having watched three episodes of the show now, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of dad trauma here. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this is a show Lots for daddy. An important <laughs> an important detail is is John goes into the room that is on fire and then the house explodes explodes oh, and then he's he comes fine. out and is fine he's fine yeah, it's weird he's just fine i wrote in my notes it says how is the dad alive how is he not covered in terrible births well it makes a better story yeah like when i was watching it the second time i literally saw him get covered in flames and i was like hmm he's hmm. literally dead he should be dead but you know what he should it be makes dead. it really compelling for like meta narrative purposes okay Okay, hold on. Other thing. Uh, d- d- so, does this... There is a reason for this? Oh, no. It's just because, you know, that's what okay. had to happen. It's just because it's a... It's just because that's the... Okay. For plot reasons. He had plot it's armor not like for that he's one like Matt, time. It's not like he had, like, a fi- anti-fire charm or something. No, he doesn't have <laughs> shit. Okay, all right. He knows Jack and fuck about the supernatural at this point. Okay. All right, so after that, we skip forward uh, 22 years... Sam has the picture on his desk in his dorm room. Sam's mm-hmm. at university. Uh, we had a big ominous lingering on that same picture during the flashback, uh, so we know that family's important in this show. Uh, <laughs> and Sam still cares about and, I guess, misses his mom, who he never met. It's really interesting because literally later in this episode, he kind of makes an, like a, a backhanded comment about how he was like, if it weren't for pictures, I wouldn't even know what mom looked like. Yeah. And he yeah. obviously resents John, so I think it's really interesting that yeah. he has that picture, despite the fact that he is essentially estranged. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, I think it would be a little bit, um, I don't know, on the nose ahead of time if it was, like, half the picture, you know? Like, if he tore John out of the picture, it would be a little bit too obvious. They want, like, they want to build to that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, so yeah, we see grown up grown up like young adult sam who has big like luke skywalker energy in this episode i feel oh, like they want he's it got so the, bad like, soft he's oh got the God. soft slightly curly hair he's very cute in this episode to be i honest. mean just wait until we get to episode That's three true, right like... yeah he gets even you're right he gets even more luke skywalker he's so as baby we, as we carry on he's a baby yeah. he's a little baby face sammy i i need to be upfront here i'm definitely a dean girl until Cass shows up but Early season Sam is the only Sam I care about. Like, Sammy, as, like, a small person who, like, makes puppy dog eyes, I can care about. Once Jared yeah. stopped trying to act, I can't care about him anymore. Great. Looking forward to that. Yeah. But in the meantime, in the meantime, Sam has rights. Sam's going to law school. Uh, it's Halloween. He hates Halloween because he hunted monsters when he was a teenager. Of course, his uh, his girlfriend, whose name is Jennifer. Jess. Jess. Jessica, Jessica, which Jessica. I do have to break in here for a moment. I have to break in for a second to just, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. destroy the immersion and announce that Kripke's ex-girlfriend was named Jessica, which is just an insane fact huh. to know. Oh, <laughs> oh interesting. That's okay. Great. That's great. Deep. That's that's the exact kind of deep shit that we need to get into in this podcast. Um, Jess, Jessica. Uh, mm-hmm. Get that in my head. Say that three times. Jessica. It's, it's not like she will matter much after this point, but... No, she's, she's a very just, important ouch. character for Sam's character. It's true. 
Uh, she's dressed as a sexy nurse, of course. That's the first time we see her. Mm -hmm. uh, supernatural and women is a thing we'll probably talk about further oh, yeah. later. Women matter a lot to men. There's a great bit where he says to her, what would I do without you? And she says, crash and burn. And I, I wrote know. in my notes, I wrote in my notes, <laughs> this girl is going to die. <laughs> I was literally, where is it? Um, I said, Jesus, that fucking foreshadowing is heavy. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Um, yeah, they, they have a very... They have a sweet relationship. It's good. They go to the hell. He goes to the Halloween party with them. She calls him the golden boy of the family, which is ironic. Well, we can talk about that too. Yes. Uh huh. Um. Everything goes fine. Time skip to them in bed. Uh. Sam hears like a noise. Gets up. Sees a silhouette. Immediately starts fighting the silhouette. Uh, until it reveals that it's his brother Dean, uh, who I guess just sneaks into his brother's dorm room sometimes. <laughs> Great introduction to Dean. And makes fun of him for being out of practice uh -huh. as a reason. I just want to know what Dean's like. He says he was looking for a beer. So what? He was just going to sit in the living room drinking beer yeah, until like 6 a.m. when Sam <laughs> woke up? Great. It's great. That would have also honestly been a great introduction to Dean of, like, wakes up in the morning, goes in to make breakfast, Dean is sitting on the couch, like, five bottles in. Yeah. <laughs> He's just passed out. Yeah, just sleeping on his couch. He's trying to wait up for him. Fucking zonked. But no, instead they have a fight, which, again, uh, great introduction to yeah. the brotherly relationship here. Oh, yeah. uh, these two are assholes to each other over the course of these three episodes. Oh, in a way yeah. that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Supernatural and toxic masculinity is also a thing that we'll probably talk mm -hmm. about later. Yeah. Um, speaking of which... <laughs> speaking of which, the fighting wakes up Jessica, who comes out, oh, and Dean, <laughs> Dean gives her this look. The that, look. The that, look. Well, that gives her the Dean look that he makes several times over the course of what I assume is probably multiple, probably frequently over the course of this show. Well, it, it becomes less frequent for uh, unexplained reasons. Good. That, I mean, that's good, but the most rancid vibes coming off of Dean. Oh, yeah. Just the, the first thing he says to her, it, actually, I don't know if it's the first thing, but he says to her, you're way out of my brother's league. She says, I better go put something on. He says, no, no, I wouldn't dream of it seriously. Yeah, he just immediately, like, immediately I literally, I wrote in my notes, Dean is immediately a womanizer icky boy. Uh -huh. Yeah. Not even, he's not even a womanizer. He's... I have the transcript up, and the first line he says is actually, oh, I love the Smurfs because of her pajama top. Right, right, and then he looks directly at her And breasts. I want to talk about the pajama top, but I will hold off on that. Yeah, we're still in synopsis land. Later. We'll get there. Yeah, we're still in synopsis <laughs> yeah. land. God, Dean. I wrote, buddy, you just got here. What the fuck? In my notes. Also, right, the... And then Sam immediately goes over and, like, puts his arm around her as if to say, my. Yeah, they, they're they they're really good about women. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's very much the thing I would expect a cishet man to do if his uh -huh. brother suddenly started flirting uh -huh. with his girlfriend. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, you can tell this has happened before. Like, buddy, you don't have to do that. She's not into it at all. She is deeply uncomfortable with this situation. Yeah, she's literally like, please leave me alone. Like, there's a reason she's dating Sam Winchester. <laughs> yeah, Sam's a good boy. It's, he is. It's, Sam I'm respects women. They, Sam supposedly. rebels against his family by going to college. 
Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I'm sad for these two. It seemed like they were having a good time with each other. They were very they had happy. a healthy relationship yeah. going on. Well, <laughs> she made him cookies. I forgot she made him cookies. I'm skipping ahead like I'm skipping ahead slightly, but Dean, like reading the script slash looking at the themes of the show, says to Sam, like says to him, "Your apple pie life," which mm-hmm. is extremely, extremely oh, yeah. true. That's that, a motif. Yeah. Americana, uh-huh. the, family, the white picket fence, the apple pie life, like that comes up so often. Every time there's a quitting hunting arc, mm-hmm. yeah, which is yeah. frequent. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, so so basically, they're like, Dean goes, Dad's gone missing on a hunting trip. How can you misquote this? Did I misquote that? Yes. I this episode is full of, like, iconic quotes because it was, like, mm-hmm. so setting the tone. So, like, a lot of the, like, lines that are on a lot of Supernatural merchandise, for example, are from this episode, which was actually surprising to me when I went back to watch it. I was like, they're all here. Interesting. All of them are okay. from the pilot. I'm sorry. I will defer um, to you then. For it is, in fact, Dad's on a hunting trip, and he hasn't been home in a few days. And then they put that in right. every right. recap for season one. Right. <laughs> because that's the plot. Right. Um, Literally. So I've heard it many times. I skipped the recaps, I apologize. I skipped the recaps once I realized they were going to be the same every time. Hunting Trip has the biggest scare quotes around it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially because Sam, Sam, I think Sam knows why Dean is here. Like, there's only one reason why Dean would show up. It's to bother Mm -hmm. Sam about leaving. And so Sam is like, I'm going to keep Jess here so that you can't talk shit about yes. life in front of yeah. her. So Dean has to defer to code speak. Which is not like it's a hardship for him. All he does is talk in code. Yeah. There's yeah, so literally. little pop culture references. But I think it's a really interesting... <laughs> oh, we like, gotta... We, later we gotta talk about Dean's pop culture references. It's yes. great. Oh, yeah. Um, especially as a foil for Cass. Anyway. Not to yeah. bring up Cass right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's unavoidable. Cass, I feel like, is the specter haunting season one <laughs> for me, just because I've, I hear him so much. Seasons one through four. Oh my god, he doesn't show up until season five? No, season four. Wait, no, she shows up until oh, season, season four. Season four. Okay. I always season think four, it's season episode five. Episode one, Lazarus Rising. Yeah, Come thank on. you, Emma. That's so much TV show before. <laughs> but he's he you, you start hearing about him like halfway through season three, I think. Okay. Season um, two actually says Cass's name. But I will have to be, go crazy if we start talking about this now, so I have to hold off on, okay. like, Angel yeah. Talk uh, until yeah. at least season two. Um, so okay. Cass will be haunting us for several yes. episodes yet. So uh, Dean mentions that Dean hasn't, or that John hasn't been home in a couple days. Sam immediately is like, yeah, well. Yeah, it's normal. Yeah, he's on a bender, and he'll probably come back later. Um, so you can tell that this is something that happened even outside the hunts. So there mm-hmm. were like two kinds of John being missing. One was he was at the bar, passed out, leaving his children at the motel with no food. Or John was on a hunt and it went a little bit longer, leaving his children at the motel with no food. It's also, I'm getting back into like an analysis instead of synopsis, but like this really interesting um, kind of dichotomy where those are almost equated. Like the way mm-hmm. that John uses hunting as kind of an excuse or a reason for his shitty behavior to his kids. Mm-hmm. Like, he would be doing it without for the hunting, sure. but he posits hunting as the reason for it anyway. Yeah. He acts as if he was, like, a totally valid, normal father before Mary died, which is, it's 
pretty much implied that it's the, not. The first shot we see of him is him passed out on the couch. Yeah, exactly. And I could be wrong, but I think he has a bottle in his hand. I think it's definitely implied. Oh, he's yeah. watching a war movie. He's wearing a Navy yeah, shirt. He's, like, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's very much, like, this contextual, subjective image that we are painted of John. And the fact that he's not in bed with Mary um, yep. when she wakes up yeah. and wants to wants him to take care of Sam. Um I think it's very subtly implying that he is not a very, um, like, he obviously cares about his kids. Like, Dean is so happy to see him, and he's happy to see Dean. But, like, he's very much the the standard, you know, cishet white, yep. middle-aged dad who just doesn't know how to be a person <laughs> outside of, like, what his father taught him. Even though, interestingly, uh, I'm pretty sure John's father is better than John is. John's father was literally just some guy. He's just some guy. Okay, um, you also mentioned, like, he's watching specifically a war clip or a movie or something, and he's got, like, a, a army or shirt, a navy shirt. Um, he was in, like, the Marines, I think, which is, like, the reason he knows how to uh, use guns. It's also, like, their access uh, to okay. weaponry. Um, so he has, like, a background in some kind of military context. Like, he was in Vietnam, I think. So he has, like, this PTSD from the war that lends towards hunting also, which is kind of an integral part mm-hmm. of, like, analysis of John. He he uses coordinates, the military, quote, quote, military bullcrap when uh, he wants to Sam and Dean to know where he is without telling them. Um, and also Sam talks about they were raised, like, warriors, i.e. soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. speaking of which, the thing I was going to say, I think one of the first things... When they're talking about being afraid of the dark, when yeah. Sam was yeah. like, when I was when I was when I was nine, and said I was afraid of the monster in my closet or afraid of the darker, I can't remember the exact line. He says, "My dad gave me a forty-five, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Jesus, okay." He says, "The thing in my closet. He gave me a forty-five." Season one, episode, whatever, uh, something wicked. I think we get a, a flashback of Dean literally holding a sawed-off shotgun. As a child. Great. Looking forward to that. I mean, I don't know when he tells us, but he says he had his, he made his first sawed-off shotgun in sixth grade. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that episode. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we should move forward. We should move forward and finish the synopsis for this episode. The two have a big argument, uh, which is, I wrote down, good world building. Uh, there's some... This show has some writing problems here and there. It's very mm-hmm. heavy expository dialogue, but in a way that, like, okay, fine, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's a CW show, it's the pilot, they're gonna give us a lot of yeah, info dump. It's genre, yeah. It's the it's the genre, and the thing is, this isn't one character explaining a thing to someone else, it's two characters having an argument about their life, mm-hmm. and yeah. so it's doing two things at once. One of the, time to get into the English major thing briefly, one of the biggest pieces of, like, writing advice, especially for expository dot dialogue, is never do one thing. Always try to do two things, mm-hmm. and this is doing a good job with that. Of it's both characterizing the brothers and also giving exposition. Yes. Uh, so that is that is I wrote down that that was good. That's a good way to introduce the setting and these characters' lives and uh, their fucked up childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, uh, like I said, Sam is estranged uh, from his family. He hasn't seen them in two years. Uh, Dean says, uh, 
Is it? Yeah, Dean says, I think, if you're going to go, you should stay gone, uh, no. which is what? No, I, I have no? it open. I have the transcript open. Um, okay. Dean says, so what are you going to do? You're just going to live some normal apple pie life. Is that it? Sam says, no, not normal. Oh, safe. Sam says that. Yeah. And Dean says, and that's why you ran away. And Sam says, I was just going to college. It was dad who said if I was going to go, I should stay gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The next part is also just uh, very close to my heart for Dean purposes. Um, Dean says, I can't do this alone. And Sam says, yes, you can. And Dean yes. kind of looks away and he goes, yeah, well, I don't want to, which makes me very sad mm-hmm. and is also kind of key to Dean as this deeply lonely person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also wrote down that exchange verbatim. Uh, th- the fact that that's what gets Sam to come with him is great. I mean, if we follow the path that's been laid out for us, right? So Sam has left. So it's just Dean and his dad who is often missing, often drunk, often, you know, like, not making good decisions about his children's safety. So Dean is just on his own a lot. Sam asks, like, he let you do a case by yourself? And Dean goes, I'm 26, dude. But also, like, he had a gun when he was 12, so where's the lines here? Like, this kind of over-controlling but also negligence, this weird... Like, if there's a bad decision to make, John has made it. Uh, Yeah, so Sam has an interview at Stanford... On yes. Monday, uh, and he thinks that if he aces it, he has a shot at a full ride to law school. So he agrees to leave with Dean, like, on the promise that they will be back by Monday morning. And Dean goes, yeah, sure, of course. So, um... Which is not gonna happen. Well, it does happen, but then something Listen, bad happens. You never yes. make a promise yeah. on TV. Never. It's like a checkup Dean, gun. Dean is not the reason why Sam leaves, which I guess is is not is not what I was expecting, but also what happens is bad, but... Yeah. So Dean pulls out a voice recording from John saying, you know, something's happening. There's a lot of interference. Um, They decode it and find the EMF. They go to John's last known location, which is Jericho, California, where the case has kind of been left open from John. Men keep disappearing the same track of road. Mm. important important thing in the message they got from their dad they like slow it down and clean it up and there's a a spooky voice saying i can never go home which which sets up that whole mystery literally thesis statements literally Uh yeah for future reference the like spooky ghost noise that they get on tape is called evp in case we refer to that yeah electronic voice phenomena um did i say emf that's another ghost thing no, I know nobody's nobody. We didn't we didn't say anything. EMF is for their little EMF reader that he made out of a Walkman. Electronic magnetic frequencies. I watch too much Ghost Adventures. And then this is when the show kind of turns into the the monster of the week yes. that we kind of have for the rest of the season up until the last couple episodes. They find John. They find out John was staying at the same motel that they went to. The clerk kind of references because Dean the and name on the John fake have credit the card. same name. Yeah, so they break into John's motel, find his notes, um, make the final connection that they are dealing with a woman in white. The the way that the way they introduce the woman in white is is great. She meets the stupidest teenager in existence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Who is like, yes, I will let this obvious ghost into my car, and also <laughs> uh, I want to make out with her. It's but that it's great. It's it's just it's so. Absurd heterosexual also like just uh-huh. you know like there's like a shot where it lingers on her boobs because she's got like a low-cut dress so that you know that he's staring 
why I wrote in my notes, why is this grieving mother ghost so sexy? Like what <laughs> what is it about why is that why is that the thing? And I guess it kind of explains that, but it's it's not great. Yeah, it still doesn't make Certainly a whole lot isn't of sense. Great. The the glitch effect they use on her is cool just to, yes. to oh, get into yeah. that like I yes. was I was I do like that. There's an effect later that is very 2005, but the <laughs> the glitchy the glitchy way she moves is good. And I think that becomes a motif yeah. for ghosts. I do like when they do the weird yeah. speed, the flickering, the the strange speed. That's a very cool effect. I do yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's really there's cool. also a bit where like she touches his face and her hand is just immediately on it and it's creepy and I'm yeah, like, buddy, buddy, run! Just you. I mean, he's a shithead anyway. He's like, hell yeah, let's 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 go. Fuck it, your weird ghost house. Oh, also important context. He was on the phone with his girlfriend when he saw the ghost. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. and that's that's the thing that set up the fact that uh, the mythos for the woman in white in this universe, which is not true of the real woman in white, we'll get into that later, is a grieving mother uh, who who's specifically the mother of someone who was cheated on and killed her children out of grief uh and then killed herself and then preys upon cheating men is i mm-hmm. believe the mythos that they set up and use yep yep and it's not just this specific one this is how a woman in white forms like metaphysically speaking i believe right this is an example of a woman in white yeah. But that's how that's how they discover that she is one is because that's the pattern, which I think is interesting. Again, we could talk about that later. Uh, mm-hmm. but that specific this is the only way a woman in white forms um is is saying something also about women. Yeah, it's a type of violent spirit very specifically about women type spirits. Yeah, there's never like indication that there's a man in white counterpart. This is like specifically no. violence against women, or not violence against women, I guess, wrongdoings against women yeah. create a particular kind of ghost, which is just like mm-hmm. so like gender essentialist, I guess, of like this is yeah. a specific subclass of ghost is a woman whose man was unfaithful. Yeah. Well, and also specifically one who killed her children out of Well, grief. that's why it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because men ain't shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Sam and Dean roll up to Jericho. They find John's uh, hotel room. Dean's like, I'm going to go get some food. Uh, he comes outside, and the police are there because they imitated um, some rangers, I think. So Dean gets brought in with some very interesting banter. By interesting banter, do you mean he got slammed against the cop car and smiled? Because that's what happened. <laughs> well, I also mean... Uh, the, just the way he talks to the police and also saying that his tits are real. He does, in fact, say that his boobs are real. Before he got arrested, he said, partner, he says, partner, what partner? Dude, the cops saw you with each other earlier. <laughs> he's literally just so dumb. He, the, the, he lies so casually, but he's so bad at it. So bad at it. Yeah. So he manages to get a message to Sam to let him know to take off, uh, but Dean gets brought in. Um, they think he is a suspect in the murders. Uh, they think he's working with John. Because John had a motel room full of, like, satanic-looking stuff, so it was pretty suspicious. They've got, like, missing persons' faces on the wall. It is suspicious, to be fair, I guess, to these cops, which... The cops suck. The show... Dean doesn't like cops, which has me standing Dean already. Yeah. Even though Dean has problems. As opposed to Sam, who goes, why do you have to talk to cops that way? Fuck Sam. (laughs) Yeah. 
But I mean, because the show does have Sam, Sam is supposed to be the main character, right? Jared gets first billing, which is laughable, but um, Sam as the main character is sympathetic to cops, which kind of also sets the tone for what we're supposed to do, but Uh Dean is just such a more likable character that we don't like it. He's the audience mirror. The show itself, I, I don't know if the show itself at least in season one so far, respects cops, but Sam respects cops. So yeah. It seems like yeah. the, the vibe I get is that cops are just trying to do their job. You know, like, they don't know about the supernatural. They're just arresting yeah. people who look suspicious. They're just kind of a little bit clueless, but they're trying to help people, which is... Yeah, uh, you're probably right. Pretty I'm probably consistent. reading into it the thing that I want to read into it, which I guess we should say, this is the leftist podcast, Fuck the Police. Oh, yeah. Fuck the police. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I definitely agree, Emma. I think the cops are... Well, Dead in the Water is an interesting subversion, but... Yes, that's true. Um, about that. We will. In general, cops... Not so much feds, because there's a whole thing with feds later on. Oh, boy. Um, oh, cops are seen as kind of like these clueless, bumbling idiots that are antagonistic to Dean because they get in the way of his job. Yes. But who ultimately mean well and are just... They're just citizens who happen to have guns um, and more authority. So it's very, it's almost neutral uh, to me. Yeah. Um, at least from like the hunter perspective, but it definitely does not um, criticize the police and the police system. As an institution, yeah. Yeah, as an institution. Um, so Dean gets taken down to the station, he gets interrogated, and then we find out that the police have confiscated dad's journal. Um, which is literally something that John never does not have. Uh, it has his notes on everything supernatural. It's his diary. Dean says he never like goes anywhere without it. And it's got coordinates in it, which is what leads them to their next case. And they think that it's what will lead them to John. But in the meantime, they have to take care of the woman in white that's terrorizing this town. So they figure out who she is, what happened. They talk to her husband to try and get that uh, context. Yeah, Sam's trying to be Columbo in this scene, and it's great. He does the he does the thing where he walks away and then does the one more thing as he's like, yeah, starts talking about this ghost, uh, and it doesn't work. Sam is not Columbo. It just makes yeah. uh, the husband mad. It's also just so funny and weird. Like, sometimes he has these, like, weird, really confident moments where he gets kind of dark side, and it's mm-hmm. like, you're literally, like, a 22-year-old yeah, soft baby boy. boy. <laughs> Law boy. Law boy, literally. Oh, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, he's a, he wants to be a lawyer, so him doing the, the one more thing makes sense, actually. Yeah, he's probably yeah. been learning how to do this. Yeah. He's practicing. He's studying for his exams because he thinks he's going to be back on Monday. Yeah. yeah LMAO. So Sam uh, makes a fake 911 call, gives Dean the opportunity to break out, and they take the opportunity to go to, go to her house to investigate she, she attacks them there's a whole thing and then she tries to she tries to kill sam which is very interesting because sam says you can't kill me i'm not unfaithful and she says you will be uh-huh. and starts assaulting him and yes. yeah starts assaulting I- <laughs> him i also think it's a very interesting like meta narratively knowing what's what happens like later on uh-huh. in the show with sam it's a whole thing the fact that kissing someone without their consent metaphysically for this ghost counts as being unfaithful is bullshit. I hate it. 
Yeah. And then Dean shoots at a ghost, which Sam. Yeah, Dean shoots her and she discorporates for a hot second. I guess, which is it in fact work? But it's fine. He destroys. I mean, if they've been hunting ghosts, if they've been hunting ghosts for roughly their whole lives, why do they not know how to shoot it? Yeah. Yeah. Literally. I think they do. They start doing the salt rounds like in season two. Do they? Oh my god. It's the pilot, but also, in fairness, like they're learning from John, who spent 22 years hunting one case and has gotten no progress. That's yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> Literally, just so, the worst Sam. hunter. There was there was one thing um, I wanted to say before we move on from Dean. Uh, I like the I like the characterization of like he finds the lockpick. Or, yeah. no, he finds the paper clip and uses that mm-hmm. as a lockpick, which uh, says that Dean's been in this moment a lot, I think, and knows how to get out of trouble in this way. Yeah. He's been, he's been, you know, on his own in a shitty situation, and he knows his dad's not going to come get him out of the county jail. So he's got to do it himself. So Sam drives the Impala with Candace inside into the house. There's a little bit more of a fight scene, and then we see the ghosts of Candace's children, whom she murdered. And we find out why she could never go home, because she couldn't face the ghosts of her children. This ghost is haunted by two other ghosts, which yeah. is yeah. great. Actually, I love that. Yeah. Um, and they are the uh, Sam and Dean don't have to salt and burn her bones, which is what they normally would have to do, because the ghosts of the children take care of her. She gets dragged down into hell. Basically, something like that. She uh, she was buried outside the house, but she could never go home. Because John never got there to burn the bones. But the ghosts of her children kind of end that um, cycle of violence and take care of the unfinished business, quote-unquote, that left Candace in this cycle of kidnapping and murdering men. And sometimes assaulting them. And sometimes Uh assaulting them. Yeah. Um, So that's the case closed. Dean and Sam... uh, Dean's like, well, we need to go find Dad. Sam's like, dude, I have an interview. Uh, They go back to Stanford... Sam goes home, relaxes in bed for a minute, and we have a very similar... I, I kind of hate and love the mirroring. Uh, Sam, blood starts dripping on his face. He opens his eyes, and Jess is stuck to the ceiling. In a nightgown. Her stomach is slit open. In a nightgown. In a nightgown in a I nightgown. do want to talk about she the nightgown, wear. because not... we've seen her pajamas. That's not it. Somebody uh-huh. put her in that yep. for narrative symmetry purposes. Yeah. yeah, and we have the an exact same replica of what happened to Sam and Dean's mom, which happened to Jess. The other interesting thing is it's, it's full of parallels. Um, Sam, d- like, does the same thing John does. He collapses yeah. on the floor and, like, screams, and Dean has to come in and physically pull him out of the house. Um, Dean saving Sam from the fire at the beginning and the end is so obvious, but I love me some parallelograms. Yeah, it's good on one hand, also it's bad, though. <laughs> Yeah. It's very blunt, but it's not It's very bad. blunt. Oh, I mean, I mean the show fridging two women in, in the same oh, episode. Oh, well, that's yes. bad. That yeah. too. Yeah, the, the like, cinemat- cin- cin- cinematographic, which I don't know is a word, parallels are good. Like, it's on the nose, but that's the genre that we're in. Yeah, that's true. And so with Sam's girlfriend dead, I, I kind of, I was having thoughts about this. I was like, well, that wasn't the only reason he was at Stanford, so why did he leave? But also, I understand the, like... Well, he wants revenge. Yeah, I mean, it kind of suggests that he's turning into John, which is much more of a Dean theme. But for Sam, yeah. Th- yeah. for this one episode, Sam got to be the Dean, the John mirror. Well, and this also happens with Sam a couple times, um, where he goes, like, dark side. 
um, in a way that parallels John. Sam does this so many times. There's this one particular scene that involves Cass that's directly parallel to a particular scene from this just moment, but we'll get there when we get there. Okay, well, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Paralleling the heterosexual relationships with Destiel is going to be a whole thing. Oh my god. I'm looking forward to that cracks my knuckles but i won't because we're on so break. sam having nothing left for him at stanford abandoning uh his apple pie life and his friends who show up later Dean, we've got work to do which is another iconic mm. moment and he is bent on revenge finding jess's killer and because of the obvious narrative parallels he figures it's the same thing that killed their mom so they have to find their dad and p- figure out where he is on that trail and that's episode one that's episode one before we go into like analysis stuff i want to go over a few things as a first time watcher that i liked in this episode uh that are just little things first thing the fact that the man dies on a bridge is good uh bridges important thing this episode as like a liminal space and also a place Mm -hmm. of both like safety and death it's the same bridge where she kills herself which by the way dean falls off that bridge that fall Mm -hmm. is not long enough to (laughs) kill a person he just got a in the river which is a rough way to go. Well, it's also, I mean, global warming, maybe the river was a little bit bigger than it was. Like, maybe the river's a little bit more shallow than it was. I don't, maybe. Dean jumped off to survive, and she was jumping off to kill herself. So, like, he's doing, like, That's a dive, true. and she's just going splat. Like, there might be something That's true. There. I still don't know if it was high enough. But it also could just be plot come. armor. No, yeah. It's true. It's, it's not it's like the, the physics in the show are so realistic. I think... I think Dean surviving is the right thing. Like, looking at that bridge, it's not that high. You gotta fall, because you gotta reach, I don't know. We could, Well, she drowned her kids, so maybe she drowned. She did. As penance. Well, that's the thing, is like, if it's drowning, there's a parallel there, which is why I brought it up. Um, yeah. Which is, I guess, interesting. I don't know. If, while we're talking about parallels and the ghost, um, I think it's really interesting that she had specifically two kids. Because uh, this is a show about two brothers, oh, yeah. right? Like, it could have just been one child, but no, it's two kids who are holding hands, and what they do is, like, only the children can stop their, you know, murderous parent, which is, like, a super yeah. interesting thing to put in the context of these two guys trying to find their horrible dad. Another sure. parallel that I found um, was between Candace and Sam. Just the the idea of I can never go home, and yeah. for Sam, like, what is home exactly? Is it Stanford? Is it... Uh, Dean and John and the Impala and the hunting life. Like, yeah, they lived on the road, right? So he never, yeah. like, he can, you can't go home, goes all the way back to their home catching fire in the yes. very, like, first, like, four minutes. And the idea that Sam, like, at this point in his life, in, in this, like, point where Jess has just died and he's still kind of reluctant in going into the hunting life and he still wants that, but he wants revenge, he, like, he doesn't have a home. He is floating in that moment. Yeah. Um, yes. He hasn't found his home in Dean and in hunting and in the Impala. Um, and then also the idea of home being, like, the Impala, Dean, John, the hunting life being the source of trauma and the source of, like, the violence like where it all started where the the seed was planted Mm -hmm. and then even more another layer (laughs) is the home in lawrence being the seed that planted stuff we'll get into later on in the season season two really i think season one gets into it but i think season two might be the reveal season season one and two kind of cover the same plot it's like an extended arc (laughs) yeah yeah before that they're getting breakfast and it's great 
Dean has uh, a, a package of, I believe, like, no-name brand uh, Doritos, like nacho cheese tortilla oh, chips, yeah. a bottle of Mountain Dew, and Mentos that he's holding in his mouth like a cigar, He's which literally is great. disgusting. It's great. Literally so gross. Disgusting. It's like, oh yeah, breakfast. The, the Mentos yeah. cigar really I mean, really Dean and food. in my mind. Dean and food Dean, comes yeah. up a lot. Um, I don't know how much it comes up in the early episodes, but there is strong indication and like textual support that Dean frequently went hungry, like a lot, uh, um, because he was responsible for Sam. So if he had only enough food for one person, yeah. Sam was gonna get it. So Dean eats cool. whatever he can, and the show a lot of the time treats this as a joke, where it's like, haha, Dean is stuffing his face again. You know, he's at a fancy mm-hmm. party and he can't resist the hors d'oeuvres, but. It is stemming from, like, as much a darker place than, ha he likes food. Mm-hmm. And then also th- the fact that this is much later on, um, but Dean also likes cooking. When he has yeah. access to food and ingredients, Aww. he enjoys cooking for his family. I'm not going to cry Did on this... air. <laughs> despite the <laughs> fact, despite the rancid vibes coming off of him around women, uh, this episode very much endeared me to Dean. Another thing, mm-hmm. also, I love his dad metal collection and Sam making such fun a of him for it. It's great. Yeah, Dean is a very endearing character. Once it's you the get greatest past hits the, in like, mullet rock. Is there is there a is there a connection between that and like his dad? Like, is that oh does definitely his dad like that kind of music or is that a him? Okay. Well, yeah, and the Impala used to be John's. Right. Um, this comes up later, so we'll get to the episode, but um, there's a bit where he admits that his music, his jacket, his car, like, all of that is from his dad directly. So, like, who even is he? Uh, Which leads to this really interesting yeah. question of, like, well, who is Dean? Because what we see is he's kind of goofy, he eats a lot, he's a womanizer, he's the American man, he eats junk food, he eats yeah. steaks, Um. He drives around in a cool car, which... He drives around in a very cool car. car. Uh... While we're on the subject of the car, I have seen where Eric Kripke described the Impala in the pilot script as defiantly un-PC, which is an insane thing to say about a car. This car says slurs. <laughs> it's oh, like yeah. belching yeah, smoke. Yeah, 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 I remember that. What? This car oh. hates liberals. This car will run you down. Um, oh just this, this kind of very specific image... This car as an image of kind of the guy that Dean is supposed to be as like this American everyman in a very straight white man way. Yeah. Let's talk about this fucking car then, because I have notes on this car. I had spent a lot of time thinking about this car. Uh, Oh, baby. The scene on the bridge where she possesses the car is... Yes. And she possesses the car twice in this episode is like classic... Classic, like, uh, Stephen King has a very famous story about a possessed car. Mm-hmm. Car possession is, a like, a classic thing in general in American ghost stories. Yes. Because yes. the car is a extension of the self for yes. American men. And yes. the fact that the extension of the self is taken away by a malevolent uh, woman ghost uh, really is, is saying some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's interesting. And then yeah. he immediately calls her a bitch afterwards. Yep. And then, and then later, when she, when Sam drives the car through the house, and also earlier Dean shot out the windows of his own car. I was so surprised by that. I did not think he was going to do that. I thought the windows uh-huh. were down when it happened, but no, he just shot his own car. Yep. Which, if we're taking, if we're taking the, if we're taking the car as an extension of Dean, 
the fact that he shot through the windows in order to save Sam is kind of very clearly paralleling yeah. the way that he will do anything to himself for the sake of Sam. Like, if the car That's is good. his body, like what that. does he do for Sam? On the on the other hand, once they've dealt with the ghost, Dean turns to Sam and says, if you screwed up my car, I'll kill you. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, buddy, you just shot out your own windows! <laughs> well, and also, uh, we know that Dean copes uh, yeah, by, by being violent. repairing the Impala. Yes. Sorry, we, oh, okay. we by we I mean me and Emma. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> there's a lot of later scenes where the Impala gets super fucked up, um, and he buries himself in fixing it That's rather cool. than dealing with right. his own emotions. And then there's a scene where he fucks up the Impala uh, yeah. as an outburst. Interesting. Right. Um, he has like this kind of good. not healthy relationship with his car. Like it's not that good of a car, right? It's kind of old. It's mm. a little bit janky. It's too cool to actually be a good car you know it's cool because yeah. it's old and black and like makes loud noises but those are not the characteristics it's of a, a good car trap. it is in yeah. fact a death trap wait till the finale so um yeah just this idea that scene is like unreasonably attached to this car because it's his car that used to be his dad's car that is now he's allowed to drive this car around that is a the little bit of agency home. that's his transportation that is in like the most literal sense his home all he does is go from hotel to hotel mm-hmm. in this car so the majority of his time between cases is spent in this car that's like his space yeah a couple couple more things this episode um joseph welch is played by steve railsback uh, who is probably best known for playing Charles Manson in uh, the miniseries Helter Skelter, uh, which is a good pull, I guess, for a suspicious husband. I just wanted to shout that out. Uh, can we talk oh about how, I think, I, I could be wrong, but I think every person in this episode is white except the cop who arrests Dean. It's true. Yep. Yeah, I, I wrote yep. in my notes, like, the only black man in this episode is a cop. Yeah, Mary and Jess specifically are, like, this very white blonde women um, mm-hmm. in their nice little white nightgowns mm-hmm. up on the ceiling, which is also white. <laughs> it's just lots of pale yeah. imagery. And wo- the woman in white, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about. Uh, I got I got shit to say about that. I was thinking about starting a table of, like, character of color, check. Do they have a name? Check. Do they survive the episode? Check. You know? Are they a cop? Are they a cop? Are they a good person? Well, okay, cops. Are they a monster? Are they literally a monster? Yeah, that is very common. Yeah. You can tell, like, first of all, they're in the Midwest, and Mm -hmm. the the way they they kind of seem to. This one's in California. Oh, they're in California. Never mind. Never mind. Because they go to they go to Colorado in the next episode, and then they go to um. Minnesota? Uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. So yeah, they start moving, they start moving into the Midwest. Yeah, because Sam was in California. By the way, I'm Canadian. Uh, (laughs) I live, I literally live in Washington. I don't know where Ohio is, so. I'm from New York City. Oh yeah, 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 Wisconsin. Man, they, they move far between, uh, episodes yeah they, they kind of just conflate that like the entire united states is just a car ride away even though it's like yeah. it would take days they should stop at motels on the way like all of that is just skipped over they're just on the highway in toronto and then they're in the next place it's very much star wars it's fine to skip that but yeah most of the show takes place in the midwest they mm-hmm. usually kind of bounce between like 
the same eight states. It's interesting that they start in California. Well, because it's because Stanford is in California. Sam right, is there right, already. Right, right, right. And I think in that way, California is like mm. one of the furthest places Sam could get. Yeah, and California yes. has like the whole thing of like it being it's on the coast. It's a very mm-hmm. like liberal city, like mm-hmm. not city but state. Uh, it has yeah. places like Stanford. And yeah, then, like he's moving away into like the the heart of America, quote unquote. Yeah, it also positions Sam as kind of like the more liberal brother, which is why you get like yeah. Fanon as like Sam as the super ally and Dina's like homophobic or at least internalized homophobia. Like this mm-hmm. kind of like Dean as this lower class guy from like the rural areas, even though he doesn't he isn't from any area. They're both from Kansas, but like Dean as this this kind of uneducated guy who's got his GED instead of a high school degree diploma. And um Sam as, you know, this liberal educated Stanford guy, which is also like reeks of classism, especially in fanon interpretations. But the show does position them yeah. this way, which is why it's interesting that Dean is the guy who hates cops, and Sam is the guy who defends them. Yeah. But I guess in 2005, the discourse was different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, even now, liberals still defend cops. Yeah. Dean is very much like the moonshiner kind of anti-cop, where, you know, it's not because cops as an institution is inherently, like, racist yeah. and authoritarian. It's because they inconvenience me. Dean's a libertarian. Right. Oh, God, don't yeah. ever say that. The again. show, the show <laughs> is God. libertarian. Oh, okay. uh, there was a great post about that. I'll, I'll reblog it if I can find it again. Oh, uh, that'll be a fun thing to talk about. Um, okay. Okay, couple couple more things. Uh, Shoutouts to the Goths. Uh, very oh, hell 2005. yeah. Uh, loved that one woman's pentagram necklace. Fuck yeah. Shoutouts to the Hell Hotel Room, which is very good set design. A lot of stuff in that hotel room. <laughs> You're gonna room. see it a lot. A lot. Things to look at. Yeah, yeah. Get ready for some hotel rooms. All right. Well, motel I, I just mean specifically like the stuff. All sorry. Yeah, motel room. The stuff like all pinned to the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they do it, a nice it job really with the sets. Really felt lived in the half-eaten burger. It's definitely like John was meaning to come back. Yeah. Something pulled him. The Gravity Falls journal that their dad has <laughs> compiled also oh God, a very yeah. good prop. Um, I yeah. love how slapdash it is. I love how much, like, shit is in it. I love... I, I'm probably... Like, paper sticking out. Despite urban fantasy not being my favorite uh, genre, I've experienced a lot of it, and I'm probably going to talk about urban fantasy more broadly as we discuss this show. Uh, classic urban fantasy trope of you've inherited this handbook of, like, secret information mm-hmm. from a mm. uh, mentor figure. And it's a, good, it's a good handbook. It looks good. It's a fun prop. And at some point, we will probably end up talking about how, as the boys use the journal less and less, it is also it also runs parallel with them learning to be hunters in their own right and mm. also their involvement with the men of letters. Final thing uh, before... I, the big thing I still want to talk about is uh, the woman in white because I did some fucking research for this episode. Yeah. But uh, final thing is the, the, the extremely bad PS2 hands that drag, oh, uh, <laughs> that drag Constance down to hell. Uh, that effect is hilarious. The fire does not also look very good. Uh, it's fine. It was 2005. Uh, but finally, the drain sound is so oh on the nose. It's so on the nose. I laughed out loud when that happened. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but I laughed really loud at the black at the panther noise in the oh second God, episode. Yeah, the pa- we'll talk about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it was so good. Uh, yeah. The effects... Uh, are not good. 
<laughs> no. But that's okay. They're it's trying their Doctor best. Who, you know? It's charming. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is charming. It is. I say it's bad affectionately. I yeah. love that shit. It's great. Yeah, like if this show had just stayed like a, a you know, crappy little Monster of the Week show, we wouldn't be making this podcast. We would just be watching it and going, ha cute sound effects. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of yeah. spiraled beyond what it started out as, which is why we're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do any of you have anything else in this episode you want to go over? Um, sorry, I'm going through my notes. Show is so goddamn dark. It's so desaturated. Well, and also just the use of shadows. Yes. There's yeah. just so many of There's them. There's frequently just like half a face. Silhouettes and shadows. There's an interesting thing with that about the lighting in this and the saturation and the shadows compared to the next two episodes where mm-hmm. they put a... The filter is different. The yes. colors mm-hmm. are really different in episodes two and three. It's the I'll, twilight I'll filter. Later, but yeah, yeah, it is. Especially because the next, this show, this episode takes place primarily at night. Yeah. The next two episodes take place take primarily place during, the, during day. the day. It's And especially in the second episode, I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, and really interesting as far as crafting the horror. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll save what I have to say about that for when we yeah. talk about those two episodes. But. Um, something I noticed in the flashback scene, uh, when Dean and Sam are standing outside the house, um, and John comes and sweeps them up. There's this really, like, minute, like, sound and, like, the fact that you don't see John until the camera cuts. And Mm. there's this noise that's almost like there's a swoop and then there's, like, a a sting. It seems almost like you're meant to expect that it is not their father coming to grab them. That's interesting. I didn't Mm. notice that. Yeah. And then I also noticed that when they're sitting on the car, this is a little bit more obvious because the camera really lingers, but like the look on John's face and then also the music is so intense. It almost like the framing is almost like John is this like malevolent force. Yes. Um, It does kind of position it like the monsters. I like that. That's good. Which I I don't know whether to say it was on purpose. Like at least part of it is obviously on purpose. They don't like the show Mm -hmm. does not position John as like a happy figure or like a positive figure in any way like it's the show definitely acknowledges narratively that John is like an abusive figure and a terrible father um but I'm wondering how much of it is just like more generally supposed to be like things aren't gonna get better for them and how much of it is like and John specifically is the reason yeah Yeah. oh and then this is also getting ahead of us but that's my middle name but um (laughs) when Dean says he's in trouble if he uh, if he's not dead already, I can feel it. Um, and then we find out later on that John is just kind of stringing them along a series of cases while he works out his own stuff. Oh, God, what an Literally, asshole. right? I mean, like, the, the, the this scene, right? He left them coordinates. He could have left them any message. Instead, he just, like, sent them to the next yeah. case and waited yeah, for them yeah, to finish yeah, this one. Right. Like, he could have he been in contact, and he just wasn't. Um, yeah. Um, but the fact that he, like, scared the shit out of Dean... And Dean was, like, convinced that he was either in trouble or dead because that's the only explanation yeah. for why he was gone. And then he's just following his own obsessive, yeah. obsessive thread, um, which yeah. I guess, like, you could say that it's John kind of realizing that his own story is coming to a close. So he's kind of, like, separating himself from Dean to give Dean that independence. But uh, I don't trust John Winchester that much. No. So it kind of It's kind of like the dark mirror... Yeah, it feels like the dark mirror of, like, Dean going, I'm 26, dude. 
Like, it does sound like maybe that's something that Dean picked up from John, too, where he he's like, what are you still hanging around doing my cases with me for? You're 26, you know? Like, go do your own cases. Stop following me around. Um, he, yeah. We know that John is capable of, you know, disowning his kids. Mm-hmm. Like, he definitely sent Sam away when... I'm not sure yeah. how old he was. If he hasn't spoken to them in two years, then he was 20. But if it was for all of college, then it might have been earlier. Um, possibly he left and then left, dropped out of contact. Because if he started college mm-hmm. and that's when he stopped, you know, and that's when he separated, then that would be at, you know, 17, 18. But if he hasn't spoken to them in two years, that would only be 20. So possibly he stayed that's in touch. But, well, um, and I yeah, think Sam... I think the reason why why John was so successful at sending Sam away is Sam wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, Dean yeah. does not want to go. Yeah. Dean Dean is the little puppy who's imprinted on you, and no matter how much you you know send it away, yell at it, throw sticks at it, like it's not leaving, um, because Dean has attachment issues, <laughs> severe abandonment issues. Um, and then the last thing I had um, is during the like bridge scene, I think when Dean. Um, gets mad and shoves Sam uh, because Sam says something about their mom. Um, I definitely read that as Dean kind of copying John because I feel like this exact scene has happened during Dean's more, like, rebellious moments because Dean was, like, six. He probably doesn't remember her very well either. Um he was, so, like, he was where is he getting this attachment to her, yeah. right. if not from John? Yeah, I have the script open um, where Sam says, this is not going to be my life. Dean says, you have a responsibility to, and Sam cuts him off and says, to Dad and his crusade, if it weren't for pictures, I wouldn't even know what Mom looks like, which we've talked about, and what difference would it make, even if we do find the thing that killed her, Mom's gone, and she isn't coming back. And Dean slams him against the wall and pauses, and he says, don't talk about her like that, and then lets him go. So that definitely, I, I agree with you, that does sound like something that could have easily happened between Dean and John. Yeah, like, I think if if Dean was using Mary as an excuse um, for whatever, like, for, you know, not being so violent, not being so desperate, whatever, then I think that's probably something that has happened between Dean and John when Sam's not around, um, that Dean then internalized and turned around on his brother. Yeah. That's all I had. (laughs) All right. All right. Here we go. So, the woman in white. So, briefly, to get on my urban fantasy bullshit, there's a thing that you do if you're writing urban fantasy that makes it a hard genre, and a hard genre in terms of, like, stepping on various, uh, like, in terms of making statements about folklore and the meaning behind it. Um, folklore in reality is a very fuzzy thing. It's often regional. There are definitely themes uh, throughout culture and beyond culture. Like there are, uh, I I don't fuck Joseph Campbell. Uh, guy was kind of racist. Uh, other problems with that book. Um, there there are still things that you can draw parallels to between human cultures. But the point is, is that if you do it with too broad of a brush you paint over a lot of nuance, uh, mm-hmm. yes. which brings me into The Woman in White, which is a phenomenon uh, that is that is not universal. Um, as far as I could find in my research, there were no um, occurrences in, like... 
in like Australian Aboriginal cultures, North American uh, Native cultures, like pre-contact, uh, probably some other places. But it is it is a very common thing in both uh, in Europe and Asia, and it is it is of course white is a white is a color that has meanings across various cultures. Uh, spooky women wearing white is like a thing. Um, it has various interesting connections that I won't get into too much because I can go on uh, for too long here. Um, but specifically the thing Dean says is they have been cropping up in Hawaii, Mexico, Indiana, and Arizona. And so I'm like, okay, time to do some research. And there's interesting stuff here. In Hawaii especially, the woman in white that I believe he's referencing is a fairly uh, recent, like, modern post-colonial uh, story about the goddess Pele, uh, who is a very important volcano goddess uh, in Hawaii, uh, who will show up on the side of the road wearing white. Uh, if you don't pick her up in your car, uh, she will curse you, basically. You're supposed to pick her up and, like, light her cigarette and take her where she needs to go and then let her off, uh, which is an interesting parallel between this woman in white who uh, that teenager should not have picked up. Then in Mexico, we have La Llorona, who is probably what this woman in white is based off of. Later, there's an episode called La Llorona in, uh, oh, sorry, it's Yo it's uh, Llorona, right? Because it's Double two L's. L's. I'm right. sorry. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. La, mm, La Llorona. Apologies for my bad Spanish. But uh, yeah, uh, La Llorona is based on a uh, or is a Mexican folktale uh, that has various interpretations and different tellings, um, but predominantly that was based off of the story of a woman who was who had children with a wealthy Spaniard who left her either for another woman, either to go back to Spain, uh, but a indigenous woman specifically who then kills her children out of grief or out of the fact that like she feels like they're not really hers, uh, and then dies or kills herself, uh, and then is a ghost, uh, which is the closest, um, the closest version of the story that Supernatural uses. A lot of the time, a woman in white is from a suicide, or is from domestic abuse, or is from, uh, like a, someone who is, someone whose husband dies and kills herself out of grief. A lot of things surrounding uh, Western cultures, especially view of women and the archetype of the grieving woman. But the the point is, is that I think it's interesting that the specific story that this is based off of is likely that story of La Llorona, um, which it then like Americanizes and makes it about this like small like domestic story of like grief and being cheated on uh, and it's a white woman and a white family in general. Finally, I guess as a as a addendum to this, uh, I could not find anything about a white lady in Indiana folklore. I may have missed something. I did, however, find find a gray lady uh, who was a woman whose father didn't leave her his estate. Um, and is said to haunt that estate still, which there's interesting stuff about property there, but that's not really relevant mm -hmm. to this episode, except for, except for, I guess, the house. But in this case, the ghost did not haunt the house. It was her children. Well, I guess the gray lady could never go home, but she's already there. 
Like, it's not her home yes. anymore. So yeah. I guess that's a parallel. That's a good but point. But it's not it is. quite. It's not quite. I don't know if they were just... I don't know how much is, like, them doing research and me just happening to find stories that fit just because white lady stories are so common. Uh, but finally, the white lady in Arizona that they're potentially um, referencing is a woman who committed suicide uh, by jumping from a window in the Hotel San Carlos in uh, the 1920s, I believe. Uh, and that area is now like famously haunted. That's a fairly famous ghost story, so probably that was what they were intentionally referencing. Mm -hmm. I do not know if there's info about why uh, Chi committed suicide, whether there's like parallels to draw there. So yeah, the, the point of my kind of slapdash research here, which I apologize, would love to have gone into more detail, but that is not the primary focus of what we're doing here. The point is, is that these are a bunch of very different stories from each other. And they mm -hmm. do have the central idea of, like, a woman who has died out of grief for some reason or another. But Always the show kind man. of smooths... Yes, it's it's all... Yes, exact. Uh-huh. Either because her husband was unfaithful or abandoned her or died. Either, yeah. either way, it's never like, mm -hmm. oh, no, her sister died. It's always her husband. Yep. Except for, except for Pele, which is the interesting thing. Right. And Pe the, the... I would love to read, like, an entire paper about that and the idea of, like colonialism and what it does to like religious worship and this like extremely important god figure becoming like a roadside like folklore ghost story is very interesting mm -hmm. to me um i mean a lot of the season one is drawing on like urban legends and so kind of conflating yeah. these like you know powerful goddess figures as just the same thing as like bloody mary in episode five um, which I can't yeah. wait for you to talk about because it was also like really interesting stuff about the multiplicity of the story, but um, the way that the story, the show kind of treats all of these different stories as yeah. just like fodder for a monster of the week episode is kind of mm -hmm. a lot which, to unpack. Like, can be fine because it's interesting to explore folklore in a literalized way like that. It's just when you make a explicit statement about this is what this creature is. It erases mm -hmm. the really interesting and complex nature of this story and how different it is throughout various cultures, uh, which we could talk about that idea more when we talk about uh, the next episode. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, that was a really good segue. Let's go. Uh, so season one, episode two begins with what will now be old hat cold open for Supernatural, um, which births the meme, you know, the first five minutes of a Supernatural episode. There are three guys, they're camping, uh, two of them are sharing a tent playing a game, the other is recording a video for his loved ones. The game they are playing is Metroid Prime Hunters on the Nintendo DS, which is a game I played with a friend of mine when we went camping. <laughs> oh so, my god! Which was bizarre to me. Narrow I escape. Have like very, I have I have a very specific memory of it being like dark, and we're both in each other's tents, but because the short range connection between DSs is long enough that you can connect to each other across that distance. We're playing with each other, like, silently in each other's, in, like, different tents. Wow. True story. <laughs> Why it was almost in a Supernatural episode. 
Other thing, other thing. Speaking of Joseph Campbell. Uh, oh, yeah, he's those, reading it. I was waiting for reading, you to say. He's reading Heroes with a, Hero with a Thousand Faces. Um, so, yeah, these guys, they're playing Metroid Prime Hunters. Uh, one of the others, we see him record a video talking about where they are. They're in Blackwater Ridge, Colorado, which is also where the coordinates that John Winchester left for the brothers uh, is leading them. Uh, one of the guys gets up to go to the bathroom, uh, and he is dragged screaming off, and then the tents are swiftly attacked by some unseen figure, and then boom, title card. Uh, so this is basically just a regular Monster of the Week episode. Um, Sam and Dean show up looking for John. Uh, they find out that campers have gone missing. Uh, they talk to one of the campers, God, I can't remember his name, um, his sister, Haley, uh, who is starting a an expedition, essentially, to go look for him because she is convinced that something bad's happened to him because she hasn't received another video since the night he disappeared. And she tells the brothers that they are in constant communication because their parents died, so they're very close as a family, her, uh, her little brother and uh, her older brother. So Dean and Sam meet up with them because they figure we're not going to be able to stop them from going into the forest, but the least we could do is help protect them. So they impersonate uh, forest rangers very poorly. <laughs> um, Dean almost steps in a bear trap. There's this other guy, Roy, uh, who's kind of this um, worse version of Dean. <laughs> you know, he's, uh, he's kind of an asshole. He carries a big gun. He's a skeptic. He's convinced that they're just looking for a bear or something like that. So, you know, they wander around in the forest for a little while, and then they stumble upon the campsite. The tents are all wrecked. There's blood everywhere. Dean looks around a little bit more and finds that the bodies were dragged from the campsite, but that the uh, dragging trail ends very suddenly. So they know that they are not dealing with a grizzly bear which they already suspected, because why else would John have been there? But they eventually come to the conclusion that John is in fact not there, and that he just sent them on another hunt. They hear a voice off in the distance screaming for help. For some reason, they all drop their provisions <laughs> and go running off into the forest after the voice. They reach the point where the voice was coming from, and they don't find anything. So they all go back to camp because something weird's going on, and their packs are all gone. Um, Roy's GPS, his satellite phone, their only connection to the outside world is all gone. So Sam and Dean know that this is something supernatural. They step off to the side, Sam opens uh, John's journal, and we find out that they are dealing with, I don't actually know what the proper pronunciation is, the way it's spelled in this uh, paper I read is Weendigo. So sorry, I have no idea how it's actually pronounced. I th um, I think it's Wendigo. Like, I'm not sure. I don't know. I know if it's the... spelled like four billion different ways, depending oh, on the. Oh yes, end, yes. I'm... This is actually the thing because the we have a lot to say about the Wendigo. Slash, I'm just gonna say Wendigo because it's the okay. like regular. It's the episode like, title American spelling pronunciation. Also, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, he, well, well. Dean says it Wendigo, which is not it. Not it, chief. <laughs> Uh, as far as I'm aware, um, at least that the way when it's spelled in the English way that the word is spelled, uh, that's not how you pronounce it. The the Algonquin uh, like language family is big, 
Uh, this is a myth in a lot of places. Not in Colorado, though. Um, and, <laughs> well, uh, they, so, they mentioned that. Yes, Dean they do mention that, that. They do mention never... that. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it has numerous pronunciations, presumably. Yeah. Like, language is constantly changing, and pronunciation is, mm-hmm. is only exists based on what people currently pronounce the thing as, which is a regional thing. So, so yeah. However... As far as I'm aware, Wendigo is not the way you say it in most places. <laughs> yeah, um, so they find out that they're dealing with a Wendigo. Um, for those who may not be aware, uh, a Wendigo is a myth of, like Wyatt said, the Algonquin language family um, amongst the tribes that have Wendigo myths would be the Ojibwe, the Cree. Anishinaabe. A vast number of Native American mm-hmm. cultures throughout the throughout like uh, Eastern Canada, um, Eastern United States along the coast, middle of Canada as well, around uh, yeah. the around uh, Hudson's Bay, uh, south of the Great Lakes. It's it's a vast, uh, not one culture, but like people who are interacting with with each other in a way similar mm-hmm. to how, say, Europe, despite the fact that there are various language differences, like a lot of things are based on Latin to some degree, so there are language similarities there. Um, sorry to do the thing of paralleling a non-white culture with a white culture, but it's it's just, it's the thing that people it's know. How, it's how people and cultures yeah. tend to work. Um, there's also a similar creature, uh, the Chinu, um, I'm trying to search for where I wrote it in the Discord, but Discord is indexing this uh, server, so I can't find it. Um, from another tribe, it's a very similar story. And Wendigos have been totally appropriated by um, white culture and have had all of their nuance and all of their actual like cultural significance totally stripped away. Um, which of course is three white people. We are not, uh, experts. Um, but I, uh, we did a section of cultural appropriation in the horror class I took last quarter, uh, and Wendigos were part of that. So I have read some of the source material. (laughs) I have done a similar thing. However, it was many years ago at this point. So my knowledge is probably less fresh than yours. However, it's so, it's deeply annoying to me because the, I would love like a... I'd love a Native American Monster of the Week show where, like, the uh, the actual themes and ideas of the Wendigo is addressed by people whose culture it belongs to because it's a fascinating mythological creature. Yeah. Uh, oh, the the Chino is found um, from the Mi'kmaq, the Maliseet, and the Passamaquoddy, um, and probably other tribes, but those are the ones that were on the Wikipedia page. So the Wendigo is a said to be a giant creature very good at hunting, um, very fast, very strong. Uh, in Western culture, it's been pretty much narrowed down to being a cannibal. Um, that's part of it. Here, I'll give the supernatural definition first. Dean says that um, a person turns into a Wendigo by uh, consuming the flesh of the other members of its group and thus gaining eternal life, but also going through a significant physical change where they become very tall, very long, very lean, fast and strong um, with an insatiable hunger. Uh, The primary like mythological 
in the in the originals um, is t- generally it's that uh, that's a part of it. Here, I'll just read. I have a. I will post this. Um, we can add it to the Twitter and the Tumblr. A uh, chapter from the Manitos, the spiritual world of the Ojibwe by Basil Johnston. Um, there's a Wendigo chapter in there. So I'll just read uh, the first little bit. Of the evil beings who dwelt on the periphery of the world of the Anishinaabe people, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, none was more terrifying than the Wendigo. It was a creature... Or, no, I did that. <laughs> you did the, the Wendigo. <laughs> Dean's infected you. Ah! Uh, it was a creature loathsome to behold and as loathsome in its habits, conduct, and manners. The Wendigo was a giant manitou in the form of a man or a woman who towered five to eight times above the height of a tall man. But the Wendigo was a giant in height only, in girth and strength it was not. Because it was afflicted with never-ending hunger and could never get enough to eat, it was always on the verge of starvation. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion... Uh, the ash gray of death and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets the wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave what lips it had were tattered and bloody from its constant chewing with jagged teeth very briefly you said the word uh, manitou which is a uh i believe a iroquois word uh it's a it's a word in algonquin uh in the algonquin language groups in general uh it basically means like it's, I guess, life force is the closest thing. It's related to spirits. It's the the definition, at least on Wikipedia, is the spiritual and fundamental life force. Um, and it is also a word for spirits, but it's it's broader than that, basically. Um, mm. It's a it's a very uh, it, it's a word that can be used in many different uh, contexts to describe different things, including like animals, like organisms, the land events but yes in this particular case uh the wendigo is a is a, is a bad spirit i guess you could translate that into mm-hmm. very basically so the way that in at least the um the stories that i i read from this from this book um wendigos they're pr- the primary thing that they i'm trying not to like speak from like a purely anthropological perspective which is difficult for me but like they don't just represent cannibalism and uh the cultural taboo around cannibalism um they are not the consequences of cannibalism especially not survival cannibalism um wendigos with their incessant hunger primarily represent greed a wendigo isn't just somebody who ate another member of their group but also somebody who ate more than their share who stole from um, other members of their group, things like that. And essentially, uh, it was believed that the Wendigo spirit possessed them um, and turned their heart to ice, uh, and they went through a physical transformation and became hostile to other humans. Um, In this PDF, there is also a story of the modern Wendigo, uh, which draws a comparison to um, megacorporations that destroy the planet, us pursuing their greed so i think that's like the more important context than cannibalism mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's about greed of any kind and social disorder yeah. primarily yeah the wendigo yeah it's there's something there's an interesting thing here to dig into you can write a fucking paper on this episode about like mm-hmm. american individualism and the idea of like camping and the hunter 
the way yes. in terms of how it treats the Wendigo as like a lone hunter compared to mm-hmm. the Wendigo as a social monster, as a thing that stalks and plagues communities. Yes, yes. We can, I talk a lot about this because it's something that I'm very interested in, but um, Hannibal, for example, has a lot of Wendigo imagery. Until, Until Dawn um, mm-hmm. has a very similar plotline vibe, etc. to this, except the Wendigos in that are a pair instead of the the singular but you're right like they are they do tend to be groups small groups um that that terrorize civilization and a lot of the stories that i read ended in either like a hunter from the tribe destroying the wendigo or there was one of a woman wendigo who uh killed herself to avoid being a plight on the community um and i am not at liberty to like discuss all of that stuff. I think it's a very interesting thing, but I think it would definitely be better coming from the mouth of someone who yeah. culturally understands it better than I do. We can find and post some like further readings for people yes. who are yes. interested in this that are written by yeah. indigenous people if you're interested in the in the Wendigo. Yes. Um I I've been think I think a lot about this episode. It's one of like it's one of the episodes that lives most rent-free in my head. Um, not only because I think it's a good horror episode, despite the cultural appropriation, but because I think, like, the cultural appropriation is something that garners a lot of thought. Yep. Um, so, basically, they find out that they're hunting a Wendigo. They hunker down for the night because they know that they will not escape. Because they want to take everyone back home to protect them. Uh, but they know that they will not escape during the night. Um, so they hunker down and protect themselves for the night. And then sometime in the middle of the night, uh, it starts circling their camp. Roy uh, takes out his gun and shoots it, which is effectively useless against the Wendigo. He hits it and he takes off after it, hoping to kill it. Uh, and they chase after him because they know he's going to get his ass killed. Yeah. And the Wendigo like, just kind of reaches down and snaps his neck and puts him in a tree. Uh, it's great. So, yeah. yeah. And then we get a lot of exposition about what they do, what they're, um, what makes a Wendigo, which we talked about with the last episode, talking about, like, mm-hmm. making straight comparisons well, of, like, what makes this type of creature. It's not even that, because the way it's treated is it's this idea, this isn't even a, a Wendigo thing, this is a universal metaphysical thing about the consumption of flesh. Yeah. And it's trying mm-hmm. to equate, like, the Wendigo also with, like, vampires and anything that's mm-hmm. about consumption. Which, like, yeah, mm-hmm. and zombies, yeah. And, like, there's a parallel there in terms of vampires are also about greed. But, again, yeah. there's a difference between drawing cultural parallels and, and like, things between themes compared to saying that these are the same creature in different ways. And it's... Yeah bothersome to me or not even the same creature but these these the way the magic works manifests the same way in both cases yeah the way yeah. this the line from this episode that sam says is um cultures all over the world believe that eating flesh gives a person certain abilities speed strength and mortality and dean says if you eat enough of it over years you become this less than human thing you're always hungry in certain ways it is true lots of countries yeah. all over the all over the world have certain beliefs around ritual cannibalism um cannibalism as like an act of war and like giving you certain powers there's i can't remember because this was a couple years ago but there's a a a group an an indigenous group that um has a taboo against eating carrion 
uh, eaters, so crows, tigers, etc., because they believe that the, the spirit of the people that those creatures feed off of is still contained within that, so it's a type of cannibalism. And this is the other thing, is like, that's true, but also cultures all over the world believe that eating human meat curses you in some way, or yeah. like, is a yeah. bad thing. So like, to say this is a thing that people believe, and thus this is like a, this, this is a universal thing, is also yeah. smoothing over the fact that it's it's not universal. There's the opposite mm -hmm. too. Yeah, making making any kind of like claim about human nature or like some kind of cultural connection that connects all of us. Like they, we tend to follow certain patterns, but there's you well, know eight billion yeah. of us. We're all human. <laughs> like we all have. There are themes. There are like mm -hmm. we all care about like homes and family basically food bodies the things that we that like are fundamental to life are mm -hmm, but yes. but we all treat them kind of differently is the thing we have yeah. there are things that are universal to being human that are extremely like simple but the more complex like every culture has a more complex and different understanding of those things i guess is the basic yeah is our basic thesis i guess on this show's treatment of folklore yeah i also think yeah. it's interesting that the example of cannibalism they give specifically is the donner party which partly is because mm -hmm. you know it's a white example so more people of this audience yeah. would be familiar with it but also like specifically it is a mm -hmm. white example yeah 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 they don't they don't talk much about actual uh native american beliefs in this episode really yeah they pretty much mentioned that the the glyphs they use oh, are from a native american uh language and they also talk about the source of mm -hmm. um the word wendy wendigo um when they did when they define it they say that it's a Cree Indian word and define it. And then Dean says, they're hundreds of years old. Each one was once a man, sometimes an Indian or other times a frontiersman or a miner or a hunter. So first of all, he's calling them Indians. It's 2005. And second of all, yeah. white people get jobs, but you know, they're like specified, not just like uh -huh. sometimes an Indian, sometimes a white man. It's sometimes, you know, a it's... native person and sometimes uh -huh. this specific white man. Also, it's very othering. I mean, I guess it's, I'm in Canada, so it's, different here we don't have the same thing there are some there are some indigenous tribes and people who prefer indian more mm -hmm. than native american um i know some some people in tribes yeah. do here too but as like a blanket statement, yeah i can't speak not... to that specifically as a blanket statement is not good i don't know yeah. whether i don't know enough to say whether like saying Cree Indian is disrespectful. I guess it depends. That, that's the thing. It depends on the the Cree person you talk to. <laughs> like, yeah. humans are nuanced. Mm -hmm. And words for groups are nuanced, especially uh -huh. when they're words that have been used in oppressive senses. Yes. Briefly, I wanted to say, because I remembered what I was going to say earlier that I forgot, is when we talk about things mythologically, that's not making... We're not making a statement about the existence of this thing there's a, there's yes. a problem in anthropology sometimes where you get too academic about an idea that mm -hmm. is like an actual thing of faith in communities yes, and yes. like mythology doesn't mean not true is i guess the point like we can talk about mm -hmm. stories without saying without making a judgment on whether or not this is the case the important thing mm -hmm. is like yeah. the cultural context surrounding it i guess and like why people tell these stories about these things and yeah. so on yeah so when we say that Wendigos represent greed, 
we're not saying that they are simply a story used to socially taboo against yeah. greed, but that is like quite literally that is what the story that I read said about it. So I'm parroting that in a way, um, but also that that is part of what makes a Wendigo a Wendigo. Yeah, I also want to talk about yeah. um, how Supernatural, as a show, handles things like faith and belief and religion, because mm-hmm. these these you know native stories are true, even if it's being flattened into just a ghost story like any other monster story. Um, it's the the monsters are real, right? All of the monsters are real. Um, and then mm-hmm. I guess this is you know large scale spoilers for the show, but like eventually you know angels and gods and things are also real. So it's specifically treating, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say Judeo-Christian or Abrahamic because those drive me nuts, but I guess I'll stick with Abrahamic for now. Um, Abrahamic religions as, like, more true than other things within the context of the show, which we will definitely talk about a lot on the show. Um, I'm excited to dig into this more, too, because this is a common problem in urban fantasy. Yes. Um, yeah. But also there's, like, specific episodes where... I'm thinking, I think it's season five is Hammer of the Gods, so I guess season five spoilers, heads up, Um, where there's an episode where, like, a bunch of different cultures' gods get together and they're upset that the Christian god problem is making, like, the apocalypse. Why do they get to end the world? Which is a really interesting take, maybe not super nuanced, maybe not handled the best way. It's a very interesting episode, and I'm very excited to get to that. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Um, I'm excited to get to that in, like, like, Odin and Kali and... Like, they're all hanging out in a room talking about how annoying this, you know, Lucifer guy is, which is definitely something I'm super excited to talk about. I also want to, like, preface Mm -hmm. this by saying I'm Jewish. The show is created largely by Jewish people. There are certain episodes written by Jewish people specifically, but in a way kind of similar to Good Omens, if our audience is familiar with that, where Neil Gaiman is Jewish, but he co-wrote it with Terry Pratchett, who was not Jewish, and the premise rests on the the idea that you know, Christian theology is the most accurate theology. Um, like, these forces are real, and Christians got it the most accurate, even as these, like, Jewish themes are incorporated into it. So, Supernatural kind of plays with the same idea, where it's, um, Jesus is not in this show, which is very satisfying to me personally. But, um, <laughs> this is a show that does talk about God the way that Christians think about God, but it's also... Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it leans into Christian imagery. There's, like, crosses and churches involved, but it's also kind of approaching it from a Jewish angle in particular ways, and especially in specific episodes. So I'm, you know, going to be talking about that a lot, which is cool. But, um... Emma is the resident supernatural expert. Definitely. <laughs> um, and I will, I will be subjecting you all to my TED Talk, but um, in the context of this, this episode specifically kind of symptomatic of a running problem with Supernatural, where it kind of produces this hierarchy of belief. Um, So I'm glad Mm -hmm. that you brought up this idea that we are not trying to say that one is true and one is not true, or that, you know, Mm -hmm. the the show treating it as a story means that we are treating it as a story. There is a distinction there. Yeah. Before we move on, there's a couple other things I need to say about the Wendigo thing. Um, Mm -hmm. which is, first of all, you brought up those symbols, which I was going to segue into, but we started talking about other things and it's fine. Um, but those symbols are, uh, symbols of the, the show calls them, the show calls them Anasazi, uh, which they, they are 
like historically slash anthropologically known as ancestral Puebla, uh, Puebloans. Uh, I'm pronouncing that word poorly. I apologize, but uh, they are the um, not the progenitors exactly, but like they are a culture that uh, many Pueblo cultures can trace at least some of their roots back to. Um, they were spread throughout a great deal of like the southern United States and parts of Mexico. The the specifically, um, Anasazi is a Navajo word that means ancestors of our enemies. Uh, and it's considered kind of a rude thing to call them, because you're defining wow. them by a different culture's word. Uh, that is kind of a mean thing to say to someone. I mean, I'm not, I can't speak to the <laughs> Uh, geopolitical conflict between uh, the Navajo people and the ancestral Puebloans at the time, but the point is, is that it's it's the fact that that's the, the only word that's used um, is a is a thing. Also, they're not they don't have the Wendigo yeah. myth is the thing. I was like, that's, that's literally the, geographically yes, opposite. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it's like it's doing the you can probably you can probably <sighs> speak to this, Emma. It hasn't come up yet. But I assume there, whenever things that things that like do magic stuff love ancient symbols and mm -hmm. oh, there's I the one assume... scene in episode in season four, episode one, where they just like cover the barn walls in like random symbols, and it's just like there's a mugging David, there's like the symbol for Mercury, there's like random symbols, yeah. and like uh -huh. the the pentagrams they do use a lot of Hebrew letters that don't actually say anything, yes. or some of them say things. Yeah, it's, that's the, the, there's definitely a lot of misuse of... of symbols in this show. Yeah, the reason I threw to you is specifically urban fantasy fucking loves old Hebrew symbols. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like it's uh, just letters. Yeah. You're making alphabet soup. Yeah, and they're doing the same thing here with the ancestral Puebloan letters. Like, it's not. It just because it's like an ancient language doesn't mean it's magic. And just because it's in, it's also not the same fucking cultural group. Yeah, I was like, why would the why would these symbols do anything to protect against a Wendigo when they don't have them? Also, I'm on the Wikipedia page, the not the Wikipedia page, the fandom wiki page for the Anasazi symbols linked from the um up the page from the this episode, and it has this sentence that I think is really interesting. As Zine created the symbols simply by sketching them on the ground, Anasazi symbols appeared effective regardless of how they were drawn, which is just this really interesting contrast between how carefully they have to draw their devil's traps, you know? Like, the, the specific yeah. cultures have, like, okay, this works no matter what you do, and this one is, like, you have to say the Latin exactly right. Uh -huh. Well, it's probably, and also if you think about, like, Enochian, oh, um, I'd imagine that it's a little bit looser there too because you can literally carve an Enochian sigil on your chest and it's fine with a box cutter. Like, My beloved. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird how they handle, like, and it could have been really interesting, but instead it's just kind of racist. Yeah. Uh huh. That's the show. Um, Thanks for coming. That, like, where it's okay to be sloppy with those, but when it comes to, like, pronouncing the, um, the exorcisms has to be, like, so accurate to the point where they have to like memorize them like it's just yeah it's it's that hierarchy thing yes. again huh. where some things are inherently more important speaking of which um, um well i guess i'll come to speaking of which in a second two other things about this general like moment and overall theme 
Um, the image they have of a Wendigo, I could not find anywhere. I was oh, trying yeah. to find information about this. Uh, I was trying to find where they got this from. I could not find it. It might be buried in an interview somewhere. Maybe they've never talked about it. It's it's a deep cut. But the point is, is that I was looking into, like, Algonquin, um, like, petroglyphs and art in general and stuff. And as far as I'm aware, again, white person talking about this, I don't know for certain, but it seemed like it was more styled after the, like, ancestral Puebloan style uh, petroglyphs and, like, the cultures that came out of that region, uh, which, again, is not the right place. Uh, and it falls under the fact that they use the symbols. It makes sense that they base this drawing off of those petroglyphs. It just continues to be wrong in various ways. I would love, yes. if anyone listens to this and knows, like, where that specific image of the Wendigo comes from, I would, would, would love to hear about that. Yeah, but shoot us a message on I our Twitter or Tumblr. It. Yeah. Final thing, this is just a thing that bothers me. Uh, at, at one point, when they're trying to figure out what this is, Dean says, it's not a skinwalker or a black dog. And oh, yeah. Dude, I, I assume probably... This show will get into skinwalkers to a further degree, and we could talk about this whole conversation again. Uh, I'm I, trying to remember. Are there? I know there's shifters, but I'm trying okay. to remember if there's any actual skinwalkers. I don't think okay. so. I Which, think they like, just mentioned they the word good, again they, in six. Okay. But... All right. Yeah. I mean, if they—that's good that they don't do that then, because that's a—that's yeah. an entirely different thing that is potentially even worse than including a uh, a wendigo. Although, to, yeah. just because um, of the taboo of the word itself. Is a is a thing. Um, I get like we have to say it to talk about it. But a skinwalker yeah. is a Navajo. Um, when I read about this, the way I heard it said um, is, it is like a if you say its name, it draws it to you. And the metaphor was, if you you are like walking along a sidewalk parallel to where the spirits are, and saying their names are like bumping into them. Um, I can see if I can find the source where I heard that later. But, but the point is, is it annoys me that Dean, it's like, if you're going to make the decision that like, yeah, these monsters are real, Dean should know better. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't well, say that. I've heard the same thing said of Wendigo, of Wendigos, which is why I've been censoring them in the chat. I had not uh, heard that for Wendigos. Yeah. I heard it from, um, a Tumblr user who is... Uh, a member of the Ojibwe tribe. That's um, interesting to note. I don't know if if uh, white people are meant to, uh, yeah. but I do know that they also they they see it as as bad luck um, and and drawing it to you uh, in that way. I think it's probably a, a very common thing um, throughout lots of Native American tribes is is um, respecting the name. Mm -hmm. uh, that is that is another that's another interesting yeah. again not universalism but the the power yeah. of names and naming things I don't know if the show mm -hmm. is gonna get into that it is a fantasy slash mythological slash just human idea in general that interests me personally I think it might a little bit I don't remember like especially with angels um and demons Crowley especially mm. yeah. uh but yeah so there's a lot of I don't, I don't, because this was obviously, this was like one person or two people that I saw this from. I have not done very much research into it. Uh, it was just a better safe than sorry type thing. But like, I think that's definitely also something that comes up a lot. Western horror is like, 
totally disregarding the the danger associated with even naming the thing, let alone yeah. trying to talk to it. Like, there's an episode of Ghost Adventures where they actually go hunting for a skinwalker, and all oh. the Native American people they talk to are like, you guys are just stupid. You guys are so stupid. Uh-huh. Like, you can tell they're like, these white guys are just like, this is just so dumb. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, so that's, I think that's... The point yeah, is, is it falls under the hierarchical way we were talking mm-hmm. about the differing levels of importance on specific rituals compared to the culture you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Especially considering in like three episodes, there's going to be a Bloody Mary episode. Yeah. Where speaking her name yeah. is uh-huh. like literally yeah, the thing that summons her. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. And some of it might've been due to ignorance, but like also if you're going to be ignorant when you're writing I mean, a show, you should probably yeah, not research, include like, it at all. Thing. I did not know about the speaking the Wendigo's thing, uh, Wendigo's name yeah. thing. The, the, the not speaking the Skinwalker's name is probably one of the most famous parts of that myth. Even if you're just like a, a appropriating white person. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how you can make a television show about a concept and not research it. Yeah. Yeah, Emma, you've got the research brain. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but like we we are making a podcast about this episode, and we were immediately like, "Wow, let me mm-hmm. dig up like sixteen different sources for like this woman mm-hmm. in white thing," mm-hmm. and they're just like, "Oh, I heard a story about this culture once, so let me use that." Like, what was there no thought put into this? I don't. Yeah. Okay. So all of that aside, <laughs> so they hunker down for the night. Uh, Roy gets killed. But I I should say that. Um, the Wendigo has the ability to mimic human voices, which, which is not it a uses. thing that the Wendigo can do. No, it's no, not part no. of the Wendigo Wendigo myth. Um, so it uses it that ability to draw them out, both to take their packs and also, I believe, to separate them because it mimics Haley's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh, um, sorry to interrupt, but Skinwalkers do in fact appear in the in the show there in season six, which is why I haven't gotten to them. All right, looking forward to that. <laughs> awesome. The middle of this episode is a little messy in terms of yeah. what happens where exactly. Yeah, it doesn't help that like the whole episode takes place in the forest, yeah. which is a very samey background. Oh, by the way, gotta address the forest briefly as the person from BC here. Oh, yes. I love that this is apparently in Colorado. This is very clearly a BC temperate rainforest that they're in. I think this episode <laughs> was filmed in Squamish. I'm not certain about that, but... Uh, it looked like Squamish. Yeah, Supernatural is filmed primarily in Canada, for those of you who do not know. Um, so they, once day breaks again, they, they go searching for it because they want to kill the son of a bitch. And they have reason to believe that Haley's brother is still alive because uh, Wendigos store food for their hibernation. Which is which, also yeah, not something yeah, that Hibernation, also not a thing in the Wendigo myth, as far as I'm no. aware. Like, that's the whole point. <laughs> like, again, like if they, it's if the, they could... Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, the thing about, like, it being a solitary hunter versus a thing that... I mean, it's still a uh, often solitary creature, but, like, one that stalks the edges of communities, one that c- can come mm-hmm. from within the community versus a thing treated more like a bear that lives out in the woods alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they pursue it. Um, they get separated somehow uh and dean and Haley get attacked and dragged yeah. off by the wendigo leaving sam and Haley's younger brother whose name i cannot remember that's fine he doesn't uh, matter to search after them he's a very quiet character he he's not 
He's fine. I think the show is trying to do like a we like vague Dean and Sam thing with yeah. those two because again, siblings. Again, we have the theme of family and siblings, and like their dad mm-hmm. is missing. Like both their parents are missing, which again parallel there. Uh, next episode yeah. has parallels between fatherhood and the sins yes. of the father. We'll talk about that soon. Yeah. It's oh, I have show. a specific line a written down. It's, it's it's hitting it's hitting it hard. Yeah, it's really hammering in that yeah. this show is about these two brothers. Uh, Until it isn't. <laughs> Until it isn't, and then it gets better. <laughs> I'm just very attached to the found family, okay? Um, so uh, Sam and the younger brother find Dean's trail of peanut m uh-huh, It's great. Uh, it's my favorite adorable. part of this entire episode. It's so funny. The idea of, like... The Wendigo carrying Dean and him just like sneaky little gonna drop these M Ms as we go is so funny to me. It's great. It's Hustling Gretel meet E. T. It was amazing. Uh huh. I just I I have this image in my head of like the Wendigo fireman carrying him. Yeah. As he's just like holding this bag of M Ms, just like dropping it out. Yeah. I'm just picturing how excited he must have been to be like, oh my god, I can make two references at once. <laughs> he's like, oh god, this is just like ET as he's like being dragged off to get eaten. It's so funny. I, I was gonna talk about this later, but it's so funny that um, oh maybe this is in the next episode that Dean calls him a nerd, but he does make fun of Sam for saying corporeal. He says, "Excuse me, professor." Meanwhile, Dean's the one constantly making the fucking nerd references all he's, the time. He's a geek, and Sam is a nerd. Right, right, fair. Yes. Even though he literally calls Sam his geek brother. Yes, in the no, that's, yeah, that's the thing I was talking about, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Sam follows the trail to find the Wendigo's hideout, which is in an old mine. Uh, I want to talk about this really quick, because the implication being, because Dean mentioned specifically that sometimes miners became Wendigos. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the implication here is that this Wendigo was a miner. Yeah. Uh, and that that's why his, it's his hideout. Also, I I don't want to keep making references to Until Dawn, but it's one of the only other Wendigo uh, medias I've ever yeah. consumed. That also, um, mine is a thing there. Yeah. Uh, that is, yeah, a big thing in Until Dawn. It's interesting to me, again, going over this, like, hierarchical thing, both in in the previous episode and the next episode, the nature and history of the monster is very important. Uh, mm-hmm. and both of those are, I don't know about the nationality of this Wendigo, it doesn't, the show doesn't care about that, I guess, but in both of those cases, it's white families, and in this story, mm-hmm. in this, like, Native American monster, the history of the monster itself doesn't matter, which... Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about this for, for 1-6. Yes. I have a lot of ta- thoughts about the monster's backstory. Oh, oh my god, 1-6 skin, my beloved. Yeah, we're gonna have lots to, to say there. there. Yeah, um, I think part of the reason is to make the, the monster less sympathetic. Yeah. Because at least we understand why Candace and Peter are doing the things that yeah. they're doing. Like, why they're they're angry ghosts. Because they were wronged. This Wendigo is meant to be more of an animal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Less of someone who's doing something to survive or to get, you know, closure. But as someone who has has this, like, personal failing that led them to become a cannibal. Mm-hmm. Uh, type of thing. 
where when when it was probably totally out of its control uh if it was a miner it was probably a, a cave-in or something like that's kind of what the implication is right um maybe that's me kind of projecting but like it's just Ash, we'll see a, a story and say, as... is anyone gonna make this make sense and not wait for an answer listen <laughs> listen it's just it's i can't <laughs> There's a reason why I watch Supernatural and Doctor Who, and that's pretty much it. Uh, it's because they don't make sense. Autism brain go burr. Um, so they they find the the Wendigo's hideout. It's an old abandoned mine, um, and they they go inside. They find Dean and Haley tied up. Um, they find Haley's brother, and they start to make their escape. Um, Dean finds a pair of flare guns, which is convenient, mm -hmm. um, but the only I way mean, to kill a Wendigo is... That's a fair is... thing to run into, like, for campers. Yeah, in a, in a mine. That's fine. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just funny that the Wendigo would keep a pair of flare guns. Oh, that's true. true. God, he finds them in the mine. Never mind. No, it is convenient. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the only way to kill a Wendigo is to light it on fire, which is... Kind, which does have... Kind of um, yeah, because Wendigos have a heart of ice. Yeah, and you got to melt. So the only that. way to kill them is by melting does, their heart. Does Dean shoot him in the heart? It like it is in the chest area. He shoots him in the chest. So yeah. it's kind of there, I guess. Yeah, but also it's. I think the focus is more on burning. Yeah. Which is such a thing in supernatural. Yeah. yeah. Fire purity by fire. Yes, yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like thing. you've got the fire that burns down their house just to start the show. Yep. Mm-hmm. Salting and burning the bones, burning uh, demons' bones to kill them permanently. Uh, holy fire, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so they separate. Dean goes off alone to draw the Wendigo out to chase him so that the others can escape. Uh, I think this is, is very cute and endearing of Dean. I just uh -huh. love this bit. He goes, want some white meat, bitch? It's great. <laughs> He's uh, just so be before, that, before that, he says, it's chow time, you freaky bastard. I taste good. And it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's oh, so Dean, cute. <laughs> Dean, big himbo energy in this episode. Mm hmm He's just like, he's just such a dick. I love him. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, he's not nice enough to be a himbo, but he's got the, he's yeah, got the he's dumb just... bravado down anyway. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a dumbass. He's um, just a dumbass. He's just a very pretty dumbass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Size. Uh, <laughs> so, Dean actually fails at drawing the Wendigo out. Uh, it, like any good hunter, follows the injured pack where he could get more meat. Um, so Sam has Haley and her brothers go forward, and he stays behind to try and get the Wendigo. There's a very good moment of, like, where we finally see it mm. for the first time. Like, I, from a horror standpoint, I really like this episode, yeah, it was and a I good, will talk about that in a bit. Um, they, used a, they used a practical effects. Uh, it was a good, yeah. like, model, I guess, or... or Man. There's an actual actor, yeah. uh, I think, behind that mask, um, but they probably used practical effects to make him look the way he did. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean of, like, sorry, yeah. prosthetic is the word I was looking for. Also, just to go off of what you said, um, they do a good job not showing the monster too much this episode. Yeah. Uh, they mm -hmm. do a lot of, like, painting it in shadow and having it be this spooky, long-limbed silhouette. Yes. Uh, like you said earlier about this being effective horror episode, despite the cultural appropriation, uh, the, the actual mm -hmm. visuals of the monster were good. This is why it li lives rent-free in my yeah. head so much. 
Um, oh, there's also something I have to go back to. Don't let me forget about the guy who got away. Uh, don't let me forget oh, to go yeah. back oh, to Oh, yeah, I have a bunch of stuff. We've that. skimmed over a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about in this episode. Because so. I'm bad at synopsis. <laughs> um, but so the Wendigo attacks Sam. He misses his shot. Uh, he runs to Haley and her brothers. They're cornered. Um, and then Dean shows up at the last minute and torches the guy. Uh, and they all they all get out okay. They say that it was a bear. Um, and Sam and Dean have like a moment of, okay, what are we going to do? Because we don't know, because dad wasn't here. We don't know what's going on. We don't know like where he is or what he's doing. And they kind of, this is kind of how we get into that. We have this goal, but in the meantime, we are hunters. Yeah, yeah. we got that um, episodic. And that's pretty much where the episode leads off. Overarching plot, yeah. but individual once of the week episode. Also, classic. this is the first time Sam drives the Impala. Which was yes. like, yeah. yeah. I, it was, it was a weird ending to the episode for me. Because like the, I have a bunch to talk about, about the relationship between the two brothers in this episode and the way it does mm-hmm. that and stuff. But the, the thing at the start, the conflict at the start, was Sam wanting to, like, Sam not caring as much about helping people and just wanting to get revenge, Mm -hmm. whereas Dean is like, no, we gotta help people. That's, like, that's the, I think he specifically says... Family business. Dad gave me this job. Yeah, Dad gave me this job and I'm gonna do it. Is Yeah, Dad's given us a job and I intend to do it, is the line I wrote down. Um... And it's weird, like, I was expecting the exchange at the end to be something about, like, doesn't it feel good to have helped these people, or whatever. But instead, it's about the car. Which I guess is cute, but, I don't know, it was a weird ending for me. Yeah. I mean, Sam drives the car, because at the beginning of the episode, um, Sam is still, you know, having nightmares about Jess. And Dean is trying to cheer him up, and he's like, you want to drive for a while? And Sam laughs, and he's like, Dean, your whole life you never once asked me that. And he's like, fine, never mind then, you know? So this is kind of like a yeah, step okay. forward where Dean is like right. trying to mend this relationship. So like the car is I like that more than like we said earlier, like the car is kind of this extension of Dean. It's like hyper personal for him, yeah. but he's trying to, you know, repair his relationship. So he's reaching out and offering and Sam shut it down and now Sam is driving. So they've they've taken that step. Yeah. That being said, I do think Sam's characterization is very inconsistent yes. in this episode. Yeah. Like he starts out being like, I don't want to babysit, blah blah blah, and then, you know, it's just. It just weird. feels like they tried to put like, character development into forty minutes. Like they start yeah, out it did in one position, and yeah. then after the course of the episode, they've changed their minds completely, which is simply not how people work. I gotta talk about Dean for a second. Yes. Uh, Always. Just because Amazing. we talked Always. about the end of this episode, and uh, we have oh, we're a talking about another Haley again. <laughs> We have another of my Dean face uh, screen caps. Where she, oh, yes. she says, so I don't know how to thank yep. you. And he just like gives he her just a gives face. just gives her a look. And she goes, must you cheap uh-huh. in the moment? It's the worst. Yeah. Absolute. Well, okay. Not to be meta narrative on Maine, but and he goes, yeah, of course. But it's because he doesn't actually know how to handle yes. like the emotional vulnerability no, of somebody true. thanking yeah. him it's for helping true. them. It's true, but it just look at that. So the only way the... he knows how to handle it is to make a sex look joke. Look at the look on his face. He doesn't even make a joke. He just looks at her with this face. <laughs> uh, oh, Dean. Yeah. Dean. So this is our first example. This is our first example of like a final girl episode where we have, you know, there's a woman in trouble mm. and after the course of the supernatural things go down and they kill the thing, then the girl 
usually ends up kissing or at least flirting uh-huh. with one of the brothers. It's frequently Dean because he's the man, the womanizer who yeah. gets all the girls, but mm-hmm. it is sometimes Sam. And uh, this is the first one because the previous episode, the only woman was the ghost. Yes. And I guess Jess. And the, the dead guy's yes. girlfriend and her friend. But I don't think Dean would ever go for a goth chick. So. <laughs> I think that's actually that's stated in, in Live Free or Twy Hard. God. Yeah. Um... <laughs> can't believe I'm referencing Supernatural episodes by name. (laughs) Earlier in the episode, the thing he also says to her uh, when he's talking about uh, they're not actually park rangers or whatever, they're looking for their dad, uh, he says, this is the most honest I've ever been with a woman, which, yikes, Dean. Ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he repeats the ever. That's, like... It's funny because immediately, like, earlier when... Or, like, in the last episode when he tells, when Sam tells him that he never told Jess about the life, Dean goes, oh, well, that's healthy. Uh-huh. Like, like, as if you're like you have ever told anyone that. So we get a great example of Sam, of Dean being like, wow, Sam, that's unhealthy, and then doing the same thing, mm-hmm. or projecting his issues, or both. Yep. Um, yep. But, like, in Dean fairness Winchester, to Dean, I would love it's to not like you. there is... Uh, textual support for when Dean is honest with women, it doesn't go well for him because he's a monster hunter. Like, that's not exactly a great start to a relationship. So, like, when he says, uh, what exactly is the line where he says, Sam and I are brothers and we're looking for a father, you know, like, that's how honest he's being, which is, like, literally just straight up just not giving a cover story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about as honest as he's allowed to get without getting into, like, the whole I shoot ghosts for a living. Yeah. Yes. Brief, brief thing. Uh, actually, uh, no, I'll just say it. Uh, bears are a thing that is their their reference for like what people think the Wendigo is in this episode. There haven't been any bears in Colorado since the late 70s, I believe. Uh, just uh, fun. Another. Here, it's, it's on the wiki page. Another research. Oh, yeah. is it? Um, the, last, the last grizzly in Colorado was killed in 1979, and prior to that it was believed the last one was killed in 1951. Yeah. So there are no bears around. Uh-huh. Also, while we're on the subject of, like, continuity fails, most people in Colorado, according to the wiki page, would reference Alfred Packer rather than Donner. Oh, yeah. It's the regional cannibalism tale. So I looked up Alfred Packer, for those who are not familiar, like me, and he was an American prospector and self-proclaimed professional wilderness guide who confessed to cannibalism during the winter of 1874. He is known as the Colorado Cannibal. All right. So um, we have a much more specific examples. I wonder if that was specifically who the Wendigo was meant maybe, to be referencing. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Because if he was a prospector, um, it would make sense for him to be vibing in, in a mine. Yeah. That's interesting. I love how Sam says, like, more than a dozen grizzlies in the area. Uh-huh. Did, did not, I get, this is, this is, I guess, the research thing. If you're not even going to research whether there are grizzly bears in Colorado, I guess you're not going to research specific details about the Wendigo. Never again will I feel, like self-conscious about not googling the exact (laughs) cook time of a ham because the cw supernatural did all of this Um, yeah i mean that's a really low bar ash (laughs) yeah but it's a ham emma yeah i mean in the next episode they say that a a dead body sank like dead bodies famously Mm, float right i forgot about that oh my god you're right christ It wasn't like, oh, we loaded the body with rocks and then it sank. It was just like, we let yeah. go of it and it sank. sank the water just, took the it. The water took it. Okay, a couple, <laughs> couple Sam things. We didn't really talk about the dream sequence that this episode opens with yes. that I feel is important for Sam themes yes. of, like, the... Uh, 
be literally being haunted. Uh, gets grabbed by zombie girlfriend at her grave. Um, the thing he says to her is, I should have told you the truth. So we have that uh, idea of telling people the set truth up. being set up this episode. Um, I don't know if that would have helped her, honestly, uh, but... I literally, I literally wrote in all caps, baby, how was yeah. telling her the truth <laughs> supposed to protect her? Right? Like, I can't believe, Sam, I can't believe you didn't tell your girlfriend that she might get murdered by something you don't know about. Uh, like, he, they literally don't know what killed these people, and he's just like, wow, it's my yeah. fault. Which is very Sam and very yes, sad. That's, and that's mm. the thing, is that sets up, like, this is the thing Sam feels guilty about. Um, he's very angry in general about uh the mm-hmm. death of his girlfriend this episode which i feel like is at least maybe an excuse as to why his characterization is a little bit weird uh there's yeah. a bit he's being deified yeah, there's a bit where dean says since when are you shoot first and sam says since now uh so you know that mm-hmm. really lit a fire under his ass i guess as well as like <laughs> which is riveting dialogue <laughs> um sam's hair is different this episode which i thought was i don't know amused me it's curlier i think oh sam's hair <laughs> Wyatt, I'm so glad you weren't around for like the actual supernatural fandom. <laughs> did I did I mention the the uh, the magazine I have for the supernatural uh, has a whole page of Sam's hair where you're meant to guess which episode it is based on Sam's hair. That's incredible. I can do that for Rose Tyler's clothing, but not for That's Sam really Winchester's funny. hair. Sam's hair was like a meme in the same way the Tenth Doctor's oh, yeah. hair was sure. like a meme. That makes sense. Oh, uh, early as, as latecomer, I saw all of this on like Google Plus screenshots of <laughs> Pinterest posts. So I got. I was like, there, secondhand. Gandalf. I was there three thousand years ago. <laughs> oh, do not speak the deep magic to me, witch. Yeah, exactly. Um, final thing. I remember the Misha apocalypse. <laughs> final thing, and then I'm done with this episode. You were there. <laughs> Bare- barely, I was there. Yes. <laughs> Final thing is, in general, despite the uh, gross cultural appropriation and various research failures, uh, I did like this episode in general. I liked mm-hmm. the tension of find dad versus help people. I liked the... Mm-hmm. This was our first... I guess I guess last episode was kind of a Monster of the Week episode as well, but this was like the first episode after the pilot. They, uh, I think they did a good job establishing further the relationship between our two brothers and the idea mm-hmm. of like... This is what we do. We help people. And the last episode, they didn't really help anyone, except for, I guess, that ghost be at peace, even though she got dragged down to hell, so I don't know if that's peace or not, but... Uh, I like yeah, that this episode... Kind of prevented more death. I, this one's specific, yeah. you're right. I like that this episode, like, they saved... It, everyone except that asshole hunter was alive at the end, right? They saved everyone from... Well, and the two guys who died at the beginning. Oh, well, the one who oh, died at the no, beginning right. and the one you're who right, got eaten right. halfway through. You're right, that one guy yeah, did. Yeah, the die. openings, the cold open guys are dead. Oh, both but of them the are dead. Is right. Alive. Yeah. Well, yeah. the brother is one alive. of them died halfway through. Those two poor guys playing Metroid Prime Hunters, not not worth saving, but. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's weird that they died because the the point was the Wendigo wanted to keep his food alive, but whatever. I know um, it's weird. Maybe one of they them just had a heart attack of yeah. fear. Well, I guess, from a writing perspective, that would have been a lot of characters on screen at once, I guess, if they had saved all three of them. Yeah. Um, the point is, is they saved the brother, and, like, mm-hmm. again, these brothers coming along, saving a family, probably going to be a theme of this show. Mm-hmm. Interacting with that I family. Mean, next episode. Yeah, next episode. That's yeah. why I'm saying it in that way of, like, well, in the previous episode, it was about family, too. It was just an already yeah. fucked up nightmare family. Where three, <laughs> I three mean, Sam and Dean have an already fucked up nightmare yes, exactly, family. So exactly. 
You gotta set up the dysfunctional family before you can save the regular ones. And yes. by regular, I mean Apple Pie Life, yep. of course. Of course. Yeah, I big agree with Wyatt. This is probably one of my favorite, just, I don't want to say it's my favorite because, like, all, all, of course, you know, it's bad uh -huh. because, like, cultural appropriation, this but, like, thing. just from, like, a pure... Another, another like, potential thesis of this podcast is you can... You can like something with one hand and damn it on the other, right? Like, all, yeah. all stories yeah. make mistakes. Yes. This one perhaps more than many of them, but there's people People have put work into the show. There's good stuff in here. We can criticize mm -hmm. it while also enjoying the fun things about it. Yeah, this was one of the episodes, when I first watched Supernatural, this was one of the ones that actually frightened me. Uh, yeah, I spooky. refused to rewatch it for a long time because it scared the shit out of me. Um, I already have, like, a really deep fear of uh, isolation mm. and being stalked in the forest. So this kind of played into a lot of my own personal fears, which is also why Until Dawn fucked me up so much. Um, also, Wendigos are scary. Yeah. I personally found the next episode scarier because I have thalassophobia. Um, but uh, that's a specific me thing. I think the horror in both this episode and next episode were effective. The next episode scared me more personally, but the first time I watched it because I was literally watching it while sitting next to a lake. Mm, fair. <laughs> so that's my bad. Mm, that's fair, yeah. Uh, and for some reason, the Bloody Mary episode scared me when I was younger, too. I don't know why. I think that's also really well-made horror. Excited I mean, to get yeah, started. Yeah, it's very well-made already. The idea you know, of Bloody Mary scared scale. me a lot when I was a kid, so I'm excited to... Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, to I'm, 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 I'm still to this day afraid of mirrors. <laughs> I don't like having mirrors around me in the dark. So that's probably why. Um, I think this episode was like really well done. I like the cold open. I've seen this episode many times, so I noticed the black flash in the background before the brothers oh, yeah, even, that, like, got that there. That was good. I yeah. like them doing a bit of, like, I guess, it's like, CSI shit of, like, slow down the footage uh, on their, like... Zooming in hands! Uh, yeah, on their, like, yeah. shitty 2005 laptop. That was, that was fun. Yeah. That was cute. Um, but, like, in the cold open, I don't know if most people... Like, Wyatt, in the cold open, did you notice the flash? I don't know. I may have noticed it, like, subconsciously... Like, mm -hmm. a shadow... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't say for sure. Yeah. I don't know how, like, noticeable it is the first time, but rewatching it, I always enjoy seeing it because it's really... It's really good. It's I cool. think the cold open is really good. Um, I also really like how the forest pursuit and most of the show takes place during the day. Um, because I... Th yeah, because I think that's such an interesting subversion, especially since the last episode, like I already said, takes place primarily during nighttime. Mm -hmm. Um, the next episode takes place a lot during the yep. day. Um, I also think that, like, forest-type forest, forest -type horror is better during the day. Like, it's just... Yeah, I can get behind. It's, um, yeah, I think... Yeah. It's more subversive, so it's scarier, yeah. because it's not as tropey. Yeah. Like, you're not um, even safe during the day is nice. Yes, exactly. And the idea of being hunted when the daytime is supposed to be yeah. the time you're hunting, you know? Like, that kind of archetypal fear. Forests at night have a different vibe of, like, it can mm -hmm. be less scary because you can almost, like, you can see less, so there's less to be afraid of, if that makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, you get less of an idea of the environment. Yeah, the thing I was going to say is the the colors are, are, we talked about this earlier, but the colors are really mm -hmm. different and more washed out in this episode. They have the twilight filter. 
uh, as you said. Same thing in the next one. Uh, Which, like, is effective, I would say, for making daytime feel oppressive and kind of scary. Mm -hmm. I liked it even more next episode. The bit where Mm -hmm. uh, that poor... We'll talk about... uh, Whatever, it's fine. The the bit where that poor girl drowns in the lake... Or is yanked down to drown in the lake... Uh, there's a bit where she's like close to the water and is looking around at the trees and it's so, it's almost grayscale. Um, yeah, yeah, there's like no color in that. Very discomforting. Very desaturated. Sam, I think it's really important to kind of hit home that Jess is going to be Sam's main motivation for several seasons. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a huge basis of his character is the fact that he was robbed of the life that he wanted. Um and forced, essentially, back into the life that he didn't want, which he then kind of grows into, which is a really yeah, weird that's Even though it's the choice that that's, he made. That's the Sam plot. That's, yeah, that's it. That's Sam plot. I wanted to talk about, because we totally forgot about it, by which I mean I totally forgot about it. Um, the guy yes. who survived the Wendigo attack several decades ago. It's, it's First of all, it's so fucking scary just thinking about it. Yeah. I love the delivery of um, Dean asks, like, oh, it got into your tent? And he goes, it got into our cabin. Like, oh, yeah. chills, chills. It's a bit where they talk about, like, ghosts and demons don't have to open doors. Like, this thing opened mm-hmm. their door and walked in. Like, that that's scary. I can imagine the door, like, turning. I Yeah, I can imagine, like, in a movie where this scene played out, horrifying. Yeah, he says, it didn't smash a window or break the door, it unlocked it. Do you know of a bear that could do something yeah. like that? Terrifying to me. Um, I, I am, I have a deep fear of, like, I don't know, aliens, poltergeists, all of those things, like, scared me to hell when I was a kid, just because I think they were so intelligent. Um, and so I think that still kind of lives with me a little bit. So it's Actually, really you watched good. Jurassic Park? I did watch Jurassic Park. Was that oh very my god. scary Oh my you? god. The Velociraptor scared the shit out of me. You just unlocked a memory. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> we are psychoanalyzing um. me now. Um, also, the idea of a child survivor is very clearly like a mirror for Sam and Dean. Yeah. Um, having parents. Yeah. And then also with the other family, parents died, children survived. Like, But the fact that he left with a scar, like a really deep scar, where Sam and Dean's are more, you know, mental rather than physical i think like that was a really important thing Mm. that i noticed uh more more wyatt's actor trivia for this episode uh the wendigo survivor whose name is brad uh wait shaw sorry brad is is the uh brad is the one of the guys from the beginning sorry the the wrong thing open anyway played by beloved uh canadian character actor donnelly rhodes um he's been in basic like so many tv shows uh unfortunately died a few years ago but was the doctor uh in battlestar galactica dr coddle uh, was in Smallville, was in, like, Young and the Restless, in the X-Files. Just so many, like, late, like, mid-90s, like, early aughts TV shows. Uh, Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, so it's it's always fun to me whenever, like, a character, like, across this style of, like, Monster of the Week show or, like, uh, episodic show shows up in Supernatural. I'll 
probably more of them are going to show up and I'm going to enjoy that personally. Mm -hmm. There's like a legacy. I, I wish I, I wish I, I unfortunately haven't seen X-Files or some of the other. I've seen a little bit of X-Files. Uh, I have like not. older shows that this will probably be drawing inspiration from, but it is fun to like dig mm -hmm. into the history of that. Yeah, Dean referenced X-Files in yes. the pilot. Yes, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, he calls his agents multiple The other story, agents yeah. are heading to the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. He's so lame. <laughs> He's such a dickhead. I say this um, with love in my heart. He is so lame. Yes. The I thought the inter interplay of budding masculinity between Roy and Dean was interesting. But also between Dean and Sam. Because Sam is kind of yeah. turning into that Sam was so toxic angry masculine character. Yeah. And Dean sees it as his brother hurting, and so he doesn't butt up against him so much but like it's still really interesting because usually sam is the more passive like empathetic one and dean yeah. is the the bravado uh the one who yells at the demon <laughs> things like that mm -hmm. um i thought that was really interesting character uh stuff and then the panther noise as the wendigo is dying is just so funny uh but that's it for me this is interesting. I've just been looking at the actors who in this episode and the woman who played Haley Collins uh, was in the film Christmas Cottage alongside Jared Padalecki. Oh, interesting. Oh also, God. the one of the guy who one of the guys who died at the beginning um, was a Glee actor. Huh. I knew I recognized him. I had to Google him. Can't remember his name. Um, who passed away several years. Uh, Corey Monteith. God, the guy who played Kirk got hot. The guy who played, uh, <laughs> the, the guy who played the little brother in this is the guy who played Han Solo in Star Wars, in Solo, a Star Wars story. What? Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh huh? Oh my God. Uh -huh. That's really Hold funny. On. I gotta look at this man. Hold on. Hold on. I can't believe it. Holy fuck. Oh my god. <laughs> well, uh, congrats to him for aging really well. Uh, -huh. uh puberty did some good things to him. <laughs> uh, also, he's got that Disney check. He does. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, are we on to episode three? Let's talk about episode three. Dead in the water, uh, broadly, about a haunted lake. Uh, lake haunted specifically by a spooky little boy. It's not just the lake, actually. It's just the, it appears to be the entire water system around this town. Um, Sourced from the lake. Yes. Um, the, the point is, is it's not, he's not bound to the lake, which will be a, an important uh, plot point later on. Yeah. He's bound to the water. I really like this episode. This was a this was a good mm -hmm. spooky episode. Um, so this episode starts in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, lake, what was the lake name? Manitowoc. Lake Manitowoc. Yeah, thank you. Um, and a family who lives in a big nice house along the shore. Uh, their mother is not here. Does that ever get addressed in this episode? Mm -mm. Okay, that's a that's a thing I guess to keep in mind. She's uh, absent. absent mothers. Tick the supernatural bingo card, I guess. <laughs> um, 
the uh, the thing the thing the thing I wrote in my notes is uh, the shitty uh, teenage brother uh, of the girl who dies in the first five minutes uh, says to her, "Guys don't like buff girls because she's working out or whatever." And I wrote, "Fuck you." This is really his how you know this show was written in 2005. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, she says, girls don't like guys who still yes. live at home. Uh-huh, so yeah. you've got double. And you've that, got the misogyny like, yeah, and yeah, the toxic yeah, masculinity. Blah, 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 at each other back and forth. Imagine, imagine yeah. being this boy whose sister then dies and like the last thing you said to her was the most misogynistic shit in the world. But yeah, she goes for a swim. Um, the camera frames her from a spooky below water angle, so we know that there's something up in the water. Like I said earlier, the colors in this scene are great. It's very scary. You immediately know she's unsafe, and then she just gets yanked down. It disappears, and it's freaked me the fuck out. I don't like. Uh, there's like a slow water. motion shot of the yeah. bubbles. Yeah. There's like a shot that's like three seconds too long of just like the lake. The slow motion use in this episode is really interesting. Yeah. Um, cause it also happens, uh, when, at the end, um, when she's on the dock and they're go- going, looking for Lucas. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, we will, we yeah. will talk about that when we get there. We'll get that, there. Yeah. Uh, so cut from her dying to the boys. Do we get the rock music? I can't remember. I think so. They're in a diner. They're in a diner. It doesn't say so in the transcript, and it usually okay. does say what the no, music it's just is, a, but... No, it's just a cut to the diner. Um, to them circling... No, the music... Yeah, the music is in the next scene when they're already yes, driving. Yeah, uh, cuts to them in the diner. They're investigating this death. That's uh, a nice like cut to them uh, doing that. Uh, they're looking for new cases. Yes, um, and then uh, we get a great, <laughs> great interaction between oh, this is a great scene. between Dean and Sam, where the waitress asks uh, if he wants anything else, and he puts a pen between his teeth. And again, gives her probably the skeeviest Dean look I have in my uh, mm-hmm. folder of Dean looks so far. Uh, it's it's the worst, but it's also great. Um, and then it's very cute. It's just also very sleazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a cute yeah. grin. If Dean grinned at me like that, like I don't know, I might get some heart flutters. But uh, it's. A... I definitely I'm, would. I'm, I'm not literally twirling my hair right now. Don't 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 sexually harass waitresses though, please. No, definitely. Um, Obviously, you know, so yeah, that is shitty. They're talking about, like, being committed to the life. Again, it's interesting that Sam is the one that's like, we gotta be serious about this. And Dean's like, no, we gotta have fun once in a while. See that? That's fun. As he, like, gestures at her ass with his head. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah, script she's specifies she's wearing short shorts. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're in, like, a fucking Hooters diner or whatever. Well, Hooters doesn't come yeah. off till later. No, I, oh, great. Looking forward to that. Um, So yeah, after that, they're like, they're gonna go, uh, then the rock music plays as they go investigate this death. I wrote in my notes, the soundtrack in the show kind of rocks. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, very fun. This is where when they talk to uh, the cop, who will be an important character in this episode. Oh no, they talk to, they talk to the son at the lake first, but then they go to the cops too. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, dad doesn't want to talk about this. Uh, his daughter just died. Come on, man. Uh, so they go to the talk to the cop. This is also, hold on, when they introduce themselves to the yes. son, they say, this is where Dean says Agent Ford oh. and Agent Hamill. Oh, it was when they He's introduced Agent Gilliard. Yes. Okay, that's when they do it. He's I wasn't sure so if it was to lame. Him the he cop. wants yeah. to be Han Solo so it's, bad. It's really funny. It's so It's dumb. really fu- it, The fact that, like, yeah, I'm Harrison Ford, this is Mark Hamill, is great. It's good. Why would you... 
people know who Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill are. That's I know. You're most... talking to like a 25-year-old, not a 25-year-old. You're talking to like a 19-year-old yeah. kid in 2005. He knows who Ham- ha- Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford are. Dean, you fucking goofball. People like the yes, most so fake names lame. you possibly could have given. Uh, that is not true. He didn't say Agent Beyonce. What? This true. That's, yeah. <laughs> All right, looking forward to that. <laughs> Like, some obscure drummer is one thing, but, like, Hamill and Ford is so... Like, you might as well say Mulder and Scully. Uh Uh-huh. Like... (laughs) Yeah. It's not a deep cut, Dean. It's not. So, yeah, then they go... Then they go talk to the cops. This, uh... This particular cop is, uh... A little bit... A little bit sus, I wrote. Um, there's something... There's something (laughs) off about him. He's, like... He's very concerned, which is fair, but, like... I don't know. I immediately got bad vibes from him, but also that might be my bias as a person who hates cops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they talk to him, um, and he's kind of standoffish. I also love the bit where he's, you know, trying to tell them, like, you know, says something weird, and Dean goes, what do you mean? And Jake's like, well, the dam, of course. And he's like, uh, of course. Yes, of the course, dam, the dam. Yeah, he immediately... Week, and, you know, like, they just immediately tell him everything, yep. and then they're like, but of course you already yeah, knew that. Like, right that's not it's how great. a conversation works. It's, it's so good. Well, that, I mean, that <laughs> I, I felt like was he bad. was intentionally being like, I know you guys are full of bullshit. Like, info dumping to them on purpose to catch them out. No, because it comes, it comes up later that he didn't know they were faking it until oh. the... He's like, how dare you pretend to be federal wildlife? Okay, yeah, you're uh, all right. That's that's weird then because the it's delivery, just expository dialogue. The, it's like his delivery. Lazy. It felt like the actor knew that this was stupid then because yeah. his delivery on the line, like, <laughs> but as as like wildlife folks, like you know about this already, of course. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I, the way he yeah. says that is very I'm like, oh, this like... guy's suspicious of you, and then I forgot later that it turns out he wasn't. But that's stupid. <laughs> Well, maybe he's just yeah. suspicious of the fact that they're federal wildlife. Yeah, like, maybe. The fact that somebody who is not his local group of cops who yeah. are covering for him... That's true. Uh, ...is around. Like, he's probably really suspicious of any outside authority because they can probably find him out. Well, and also he has other reasons to be suspicious, mm-hmm. as we will learn. Um, yes. Anyway, point is, uh, <laughs> they meet his daughter and her son. He's a sussy baka. Thank you, Ash. <laughs> 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 anyway, they meet his daughter and her son, who is nonverbal and has been nonverbal since we learned this later, but I'll just introduce it now. Has been nonverbal since uh, his father uh, died he while he was there uh, on the water, which is fucked up. That poor kid. Yeah, poor Lucas. Yeah. This is also why we get this yes. very clear establishment of a parallel between yes. Lucas and specifically Dean, which is good. Uh, which I... we will obviously talk about later, yes. um, or or at least expand on later. But that like that's. The earliest setup where Dean's like, well, of course he's upset. Watching one of your parents die, that's not something you get over. Which I think is really an interesting line, just because I'm already on the line. Yeah, no, sure. sure. Um, He didn't technically watch his mom die. He He knows that she died. He knows how she died. But he didn't go into the room to see it because John stopped him and, like, shoved Sam in his arms and told him to get out of the house. But when Jess died, Dean was there to pull Sam out of the room. So he saw Jess die. So he knows what it looks like, even though he didn't watch Mary die. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, Dean Winchester's trauma. We're really in it Uh now. But before we talk about the good parts of Dean, we need to talk about the bad parts. Because he immediately... Yeah, he flirts with her again. He immediately starts hitting on this woman whose husband died, like, a couple months ago at this point, I think. Um, I mean, he doesn't No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He he just... He's a pretty girl. Uh, But 
he hits on her in the stupidest way possible, where he's like, you know any good motels? And she very nicely gives them directions, and then he's like, you want to walk us there? And she's like, yeah, okay. It's two blocks. I'm, I'm going that way anyway, I guess. Uh, I, Dad, I fucking love Lucas, how please. she roasts him. No, yeah, I'm getting that. that. So I'm getting that. And they're yeah. walking, and he says, uh, so, cute kid. Kids are the best, huh? And before she owns him, I wrote in my notes, Dean, buddy, you have no game. Zero game from this man. <laughs> he literally learns it's how literally to flirt his job. So he That's doesn't literally what's been getting him through this yeah. whole time. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And also, he doesn't need to know how to flirt because he just smiles at women and they're like, yeah. wow, this guy's hot. But Let's go. She's not falling for it, yeah. at least not yet. Um, when she like, <laughs> she leads them to the hotel and is like, must be hard having such a bad sense of direction. Shame you can't find your way to a decent pickup line. And I'm like, oh yeah, got him. Yeah, get his yeah. ass, girl. And Sam, get his ass. Sam fucking exactly. loves it. Sam is eating this up. <laughs> it is so funny <laughs> to Sam him. goes, kids are the best. You don't even like yeah. kids. And he goes, I love yeah, kids. And Sam, Sam, gatekeeper Sam, Sam goes, name like three children you even know. It's so funny. <laughs> Oh, you like, oh, you like Metallica actually, named Five Sorry songs. for a minute, I'm gonna be sad, but, like, he does love kids. Whenever he's yes. around kids, he's really good with them, no. but he doesn't know any kids, because yeah. he doesn't know anybody, he doesn't, he doesn't anybody. have any friends, he's all by himself, okay, okay. he just wants to have a kid. I'm literally, like, flapping my hands right now. I made a connection. Uh-huh. Yes? <laughs> I have connected two uh-huh. dots. Um, what are the dots? So I think, I think Sam thinks Dean doesn't like kids. Because Dean was so fed up from raising yeah. Sam, uh, he probably ended up taking out some of that resentment on Sam. So Sam translated that to Dean not liking kids. But then when Sam left, Dean realized he needs people to take care of and that yeah. he likes taking care of people. Which is why Sam doesn't understand why Dean likes kids so much all of a sudden. Um, he's absorbed the resentment Dean stowed against John for making a child raise his little brother and thinks it means that Dean doesn't like kids. Yeah. Great analysis. That's that's very yeah, cool. Yeah, I was very excited about dots. that one. Um, the two brain cells fired, uh-huh. and I had to get it down. Uh, so we continue with the synopsis. They go to the hotel room. They investigate uh, the like deaths in this area. They learn that this is where they learn that her husband drowned uh, a period of time ago. I did not write down when that happened. It it's recent though. Is the point? Uh, then they go mm-hmm. and they meet her in the park. Um, and she's like, hi, I'm with my kid, and Dean's like, let me talk to him for a second, and she's like, I, I guess, uh, and then she and Sam have a chat. She actually it. says, tell your friend this whole Jerry Maguire thing is not gonna oh, work God, on you're me. you're right. And Sam's like, I don't think that's what this is about. Yeah, that's a good Which, exchange. Which what Sam means is, that's not what this is about anymore. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um. Because now Dean is imprinted on yes. this child like a mother chicken. And... Uh, and this scene is great. I love this scene. Dean is really nice to this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I I guess this yeah, is he's so good. this is me saying this out loud. It's in my Twitter bio for for people listening. I'm autistic. Uh, I have a lot of feelings around children who this kid's nonverbal because of uh, because of specifically PTSD trauma. and trauma. But still, like treating people so often treat nonverbal children like they're objects. And Dean does not do that. Dean mm-hmm. is very kind to this kid and treats him like a yeah. human being. Uh, and it made me a little bit emotional. He's a good Dean. Dean's a good boy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he talks. Yeah. He talks to this kid in the way, in the right way to talk to children, which is treating them seriously, but still like, you know, meeting them at their own level to some degree. Um, 
And yeah. he's like, oh, yeah. They're humans with yeah. brains. They're just smaller humans. And he, like, connects with them. And is like, oh, yeah, I like these army guys. Uh, yeah. Like, talks about talks to them about drawing. Sits down. It's like, I'm going to draw two. Which, again, great way to, like, connect with a nonverbal kid. Is like, oh, this is mm-hmm. how you communicate. I'm going to join you in your own method of communication rather than expecting Parallel you to conform play. to mine. Uh, it's great. I love this scene. This scene's um, very actually, great. what he, I, I also appreciated, he didn't just say, like, I'm going to sit and draw with you. He says, do you mind yes, if I sit and yes, draw with you yes. for a while? Like, giving the kid a chance to respond. It's great. Um, he's, like, super respectful in this scene. I really appreciate it. This is the most... Yeah. I, I like Dean in general. I enjoyed him last episode, like I said. This is the most I have liked Dean. This this made me so affectionate for this man. Um, it's yeah. very clear that Dean is coming from a place of experience. Yes. Not only yes. empathy because he's been in this kid's shoes before, but also because he raised a kid yep. who has inherited trauma and who's faced his own traumatic experiences. So he knows how to like meet neurodivergent children yeah. and how their brains work and how their, their needs uh, differ from, from neurotypical it's children. It's really good. And that's not even getting into the ADHD Dean, you know, neurodivergent Winchester's head cannons. Excited to hear about that. Um, uh, this is where also ADHD. the scene where Dean starts to draw the explicit parallel, where he says, yes. you know, I don't know exactly what happened to your dad. I know it was something real bad. I think I know how you feel. When I was your age, I saw something, and he pauses and just goes, like, anyway, and keeps talking to the kid. And later he finishes a sentence about how he saw something happen to his mom, and we will get to that when we get to that scene. Yes. I will interrupt again. Dean, man of many, many flavors. He does say to this kid, chicks dig artists, which is the yeah. whole problem of, like, the, the imposition of, like, masculine heterosexuality on children. But, you know. He, he does, this is a, a theme with Dean. Yeah. He does it with other uh, son figures uh, later Which is, on like, too. it's the only, it's... It's who he is. It's how he mm-hmm. connects. I, it's who like, he is, and it's also to... how he was raised. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. His, you think his dad didn't tell him stuff about, like, what chicks dig? Yep. Maybe not in those words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, which also points towards, you know, not points towards, but, like, fits in well with um, queer readings of Dean, which obviously we are going to talk a lot about in this mm-hmm. podcast. But, um, like, this idea of, like, he has a sense of what masculine heterosexuality is expected of him yeah so whether that's trans dean or um same gender attracted dean or both like there is this you know he knows what is expected of him which is a very big dean theme he has this idea of who he's supposed to be whether it's because god said so or john said so or he said so but very rarely because he said so um and he's fits that image he fits himself to that mm-hmm. image and he recreates himself um there was a great post that i don't know where it is but i will find it if i can um it says dean winchester is a dean winchester action figure and that phrase lives uh, right that's in my good brain. that's good yeah uh. dean winchester is exactly who judith butler was talking about when she said that gender is a performance <laughs> See, and this yeah. is why I headcanon Dean is non-binary, because I'm convinced that Dean doesn't actually know what gender is. He just performs what he assumes people think gender is. But if you asked him, like, what his gender was, he'd be like, yeah, I'm a dude. And then, like, internally, he'd be like, what does that mean? <laughs> hmm. um, but that's my own agenda. <laughs> I, I will die on the hill of non-binary Dean. Um, where were we? Right, okay. Very... Just 
good good analysis i'm digging this to to finish the scene um he he connects with uh lucas by drawing a terrible picture of his family uh i like that he it's little stick figures it's, it's no, so cute it's great no it's just like he's like yeah so i'm a i'm a shitty art i'm a wait he says sucky artist he says there's sucky himself to this yeah he doesn't swear. i'm a sucky artist uh but the point is is that giving is that lucas is connecting with him and understands what he's saying and gives him this cryptic image of a house uh which i guess so the kid's psychic i guess they talk about this later in the car about how like trauma could give you psychic powers basically it's not it's not so cut and dry makes of, you more makes in you tune more, yeah. with they, they talk yeah, about it the, the supernatural yeah like senses but um and i feel like sorry no you go I, on I'll i was just going to say i have despite how much i like this kid i do have slight problems around the depiction of uh children with uh like children who are neurodivergent or mentally ill in some way uh being magic or having like yes. precognitive abilities right. or like being geniuses mm-hmm. in like a quote unquote idiot savant way which is a terrible phrase that i hate but it is the what it is the way it's often used um that's bad i don't like that but that's the genre that we're in i Mm -hmm. guess yeah i think obviously a big conversation piece that we're going to have to be talking about because this is a horror show is ableism because so much of the horror genre is based in ableism whether it's um ableism towards people with psychosis or other um similarly stigmatized uh mental disorders um or the way uh, autistic ADHD similarly coded characters are treated, um, and the way the psychic abilities and yeah. like the the doppelgangers and um, the like the changeling child like that comes up at least at least once or twice um, in some way or another in Supernatural, and I think that's definitely going to be something that we will have a field day talking about as a bunch of neurodivergent mm-hmm. people. Um, okay, so he gets this picture of the house, uh, we cut back to the family, um, and the Carlson's son, whose name I forget, uh... Eric. Will. What? It's Will. Yeah. No, his dad's name is Bill. It's Bill and Will. It's Bill and Will. Yeah. He's named his, for his he dad named almost his, He named his son so. Will. Oh, yeah, and Bill also, That's Bill is short for Bill William, they're both, yeah, it's, it's funny. I hate um, it. I hate anyway, it. Anyway, Will's dead. Uh, he gets drowned in the sink in what is was a very, to me, a very effective scene. Uh, a mm-hmm. thing I was going to talk about, a, a thing I mentioned earlier about uh, this ghost not just being confined to the lake, uh, is part of what made this episode very frightening to me is, um, you know, houses are a thing. I'm sure we'll talk mm-hmm. about this later when there's an eventual haunted house episode, but houses in relation to the supernatural I mean, one nine i think cool uh yeah. houses in relation to the supernatural houses as a place of sanctity and safety ash you were mm-hmm. talking earlier about the freakiness yeah. of the wendigo just going into the cabin the fact yeah. that he's just like what cutting fish he's making dinner 
uh, and then the sink yeah, overflows, yeah. and like an absolute fool, he reaches into it and is like, "Yeah, this weird I mean, haunted sink." If you weren't in a horror well, show, you're right, it wouldn't be a bad right. thing to try Just, to unclog the water. That I, is not the same level as the guy who picked up a ghost. You're right. No, you're right. I would have gone and put a glove on personally, but that's just me. And uh, yeah, that's because it's well, you still would have gotten drowned. No, I know. I'm just like I'm like, buddy, gross. Um, <laughs> I see. I have a. I've seen too many horror movies as a young child. I'm afraid of putting my hand down sinks, yeah. even if they don't have yeah. a garbage disposal. Um. Yes. <laughs> I I think the thing is for me is once he pulled out the stopper and was like, "Oh, it's not the stopper." I would have like backed off and had a little think about this at the very least because it's creepy. <laughs> Go get a plunger, yeah. man. Yeah, I would have gotten like a stick to poke at it. You know. He, he re- yeah. He get he reaches into the sink a second time and gets yanked down and drowned in the sink. Um, it's rough. It's it's rough. They uh, meanwhile back at the motel, the Winchesters discover that uh, the father of Lucas uh, was the godson of Bill Carlton, uh, and thus reveal a connection between Bill Carlton and the cop whose name I forget. Um, he, whatever, he's the cop. We know who we're talking about. Um, Jake. Jake, Jake something. Will says that she was, that his sister was a great swimmer and that she was about mm. as safe out there as she was in her own bathtub, which oh, right. not only is he not safe in his yeah. own sink, but we also have a character nearly drown in her own yep. bathtub later. Oh, that's good foreshadowing. I missed that. That's yeah. good. Rewatching yeah. this episode um, is great. I was like, yeah, she was exactly as safe. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just thought that was really like good horror. Yeah, it, was, it was. It was. Yeah, this is a really good yeah, horror. This episode's episode. great. Um, yes. So yeah, they learn about that connection. They're like, we gotta go talk to Bill. Uh, Bill rightfully is extremely depressed. Um, he says, "What's yeah. the specific line here?" Um, I have it. Worse than uh, dying. Yeah, like losing children is worse than dying, and the fact mm-hmm. that like again, family in this show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we are three three. Got, like nothing left. Yeah, the actor uh, Bruce Dawson does a very good job uh, playing an absolutely broken mm-hmm. man. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, his performance is so it's good. Rough. So yeah, that happens. They talk to him. He's like, "Go away." I'm very sad, and they're like, "Yeah, okay, we'll we'll we'll, we'll leave." Um, and then they go and they talk to Lucas again. Uh, it's like, what the fuck's going on? Um, he does another drawing, I believe. Yeah, he keeps drawing the bicycle, the red bicycle, and this time he yes. does the church and the house. Yes. And the, the cap. Yep. Uh, and this is where they talk in the car about his trauma and that leading to, like, uh, psychic stuff, potentially. Yeah. They go and they investigate the, uh, house that he drew, uh, and they talk to the mother of, uh, a kid who died, uh, long time ago um when uh conveniently uh when bill and jake were also children and they were both yes, friends, they were with this, friends with this, this child and i think it's important to, to note that his mother doesn't know what happened to yes. him she doesn't know that he died oh, right he, he disappeared. disappeared without yeah, a trace yeah, yeah, yeah. um she never even had a body oh there's that line in the beginning uh in the diner where they talk about how they buried an empty coffin for closure and sam says closure what yeah. closure but then later on, like, I think the idea of having a body to bury or burn in the Hunter's case is, like, such a big thing in this episode that it's so subtle mm. because, like, Peter didn't have a body. All the bodies that Peter dragged into the lake disappeared. Disappear. 
And the whole point of Peter dragging the bodies away into the lake is because his mother never got yeah. that closure. Um, I just think it's really interesting. Uh, so, yes, it is. Um, we cut yeah. briefly to the lake uh, where Bill's sitting there. He's talking to himself, uh, talking to very clearly at this point uh, this child uh, who he was, whose disappearance he clearly was involved with, and he's like, uh, you've taken everything, everyone, I've got nothing left, I didn't understand, I didn't believe, now I think I do, I think I finally know what you want. Then it cuts away back to the brothers, who are driving along, back to the lake. Uh, they have figured out what's going on here, they're coming to confront Bill, they get to the house, he's out in the lake, in a boat, and they're like, Mr. Carlton! Uh, and they, <laughs> then the, then the boat just explodes into the air, turns into a CGI yeah. boat. It looks it terrible. Yeah. It's, they could have just, just flipped like this the, giant splash. They could have just flipped the boat. They didn't need to do the CGI boat. It's very funny. It completely removed my suspension of disbelief. Kills the tone. It kills the tension. It's that's supernatural for you. It's a double-edged sword. Uh, I. <laughs> I have a screenshot of this, which uh, we could put in the episode description. Um, it's it's very funny. They could have just they they could have just flipped the boat. I don't know why it needed to explode in the air like that. The ghost doesn't even do anything else like this in the rest of the show. Like it's not forceful in that way. Like it drags people down, but it doesn't explode the water. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> It would have been so much more evocative if he, if he had, like, jumped yeah. out of the boat into the water. Like, he was going out and there for the... And didn't come back up. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a bizarre choice. It's very silly. Well, I guess that would be too repetitive because of what happens later. I guess. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Bill's dead. This whole family's dead. Um, they go back to the police station. Jake is investigating Bill's death. Uh, Jake is shook about this uh at this point uh he knows something's up because the entire family's dead uh and also he's clearly connected with this in some way um the way they frame him in this scene is really good there's a lot of like uh shadows and light across his face shining through the blinds the actor playing him also does a good job this episode i would say of playing this yeah. like yeah the the secondary actors are really yeah. good yeah this is a good episode. i think even the care even the kid who plays lucas yeah. Which, it's really hard to get child actors who are, like, really good, but I think he does a really he good does. job. He does. He does a lot with, uh, as a character who says almost nothing. Yeah. Like, the way he pounds on his mom's door and the way he yeah. opens the door for Dean and Sam, like, it's really good. Sorry. Uh, anyway. Jake's in denial Getting about ahead of ourselves. Uh, this being a ghost. Um, he's like, you guys are bullshit. Bill, he also says the good swimmer thing again about Bill, who was, he says, Bill, who was also a very good swimmer. Uh, you saw something knock him into the water. He's like, that's bullshit. Um, he calls them out on not really being wildlife service. Again, the boys get called out on their lies about impersonating things. Uh, he's like, get the fuck out of here, basically. And so they leave, uh, but then they don't. Oh, no, wait. Important thing before that. Cuts to Lucas in his room, uh, drawing a, uh, horrible spiral, uh, that is probably water, uh, maybe going down a drain. Uh, that'll come up shortly. Mm -hmm. The brothers are driving out of the town. They're like, this job's over. The family's dead. Dean's like, I don't think so. And uh, Dean, of course, wants to, like, feels like there's unfinished business here because of how much he cares about Lucas. Lucas is still scared, thus something must still be wrong. Uh, they turn around. And Sam, Sam is confused by this. Sam says, who are you and what have you done with my brother? Which is... 
infuriating because Dean spent his entire well, life caring for yeah. Sam and it's, now it's he's also, like wow Sam Dean cares about somebody it's just, that's so weird like Sam I will hit you in the head it's inconsistent <laughs> I think it's reasonable characterization I think yeah I think it's good characterization of Sam in the sense that like kids don't recognize what their parents yeah. do for them right like he doesn't process Dean as somebody mm-hmm. who care- takes care of children because that's not the relationship he perceived but I it is frustrating as somebody who sympathizes more with Dean. <laughs> yeah. It's also, yeah. to me, baffling just because the conflict between them last episode was Dean's desire to help people and Sam's desire to move on. And it's Sam who calls him out on yeah. moving yeah. on. And like, this is your thing. It's like, buddy, this just... Dean just expressed the desire to help people as you go about your lives. I don't know, it's weird to me. Anyway, uh, cut to uh, Andrea, the mom, in the bathtub. Uh, having the most male gazy bath scene I've seen in a long time. Yeah, uh, I don't really take baths. I don't know if I, I don't know if so either of you bad. like. I don't know how much sexily rubbing your neck with a cloth is a thing people do in the bath. <laughs> Literally, the face she's uh-huh. making like it's, it's not great. She's really feeling lingering, that bath. Focus. Yeah. yeah, I'm sitting here like I feel like she's going to come Uh like it's just weird like i think after that the scene is really good it's very scary like i think the the fear part of it is really good but like the preamble is just so unnecessary there's also like a lingering foot shot which i'm I'm gonna, like, excuse a little uh-huh, bit by saying yeah, that it needs to show the like, water, but, like, she didn't need to have her foot up for that. But also... Well, like, classic, like, male gaze, female bath scenes in film of, like, hanging your leg out of the water, right? Yeah, so you get as much leg shot as possible. I guess that's true. But also foot <laughs> yeah. fetish. Yeah, it was well, uncomfortable to look at. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it was bad. The thing I literally wrote uh, is, this is one of the most male gazy bathing, bathing scenes I've ever seen, and I watch anime semi-frequently. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know shit's bad when the anime guy uh-huh. <laughs> says that your shit's male gazy. Um I I take umbrage with being called the anime guy, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, of the three of us, you watch the That's most anime. True. So I watch a lot of if things. If I have to be if I have to be the, the long time fan, then you have to be the anime guy. <laughs> Well, whatever you said. I thought I, I thought remember. I was the broader urban fantasy historical context guy. <laughs> well, you're also that, and you're also the guy who researches the actors. <laughs> okay, okay, moving on. Uh, there's there's this stupid bath scene, but then like a genuinely effective scary scene where she gets drowned in the bath, mm-hmm. basically or almost drowned. She is drowning. The the physicality of that was so believable. Yeah, that was the amazing. timing of this is slightly weird to me, of like how long she's been under the water when the boys yeah. show up to save her. Um, I was, was expecting yeah, CPR was to need to be done, but uh, she thank was God it wasn't because she's naked yeah. and has semi. No, yeah, it would have been bad. Yeah. It it would have been bad. Um, but uh, it seems like they got there like literally right as this happened because they pull her out and she hasn't. Drown. She doesn't even cough up water, I don't think. She does. According to yeah, the script, she says she starts coughing up water. She but does? It's not, she's not, like, vomiting okay. or anything, but she has water in her mouth. Yeah. She has water in her mouth, but she it wasn't in her lungs, um, is, I guess, the point. She fought very She did, hard. she did. Shoutouts to her. She I liked uh, her character a lot yeah. in this. She's great. Yeah. Peak final girl. 
Uh, cut to her talking with, uh, I believe, Sam uh, downstairs. Uh, she's yes. feeling pretty mm -hmm. fucked up about what just happened. She's like, "Am I going crazy? What's going on?" And Sam's like, "It's a it, no. You're you're good. There's there's weird shit happening." <laughs> and she says she heard a voice that said, "Come play with me." Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. That's freaky. Classic creepy yeah. child stuff right there. Yeah, we're like leaning all the way into the genre tropes. Yeah, so so they talk to her about um about this thing and uh they like Bill Carlton and uh her dad and their connection to the uh thing that happened uh like what 30, 30 years ago or five I a, think a long time but ago. Yeah. Um and then as they're talking about this, Lucas leaves and they're like, Lucas, um, and then they go after him. Or uh, no, she who goes after them? Andrea goes and gets back into the house. He clearly wants to go somewhere. No, um, he he led them to where like, the bike is buried, so they go dig it yes, up. Yes, I was about to get to that. Yeah. yeah. Like, he leads them out, and they're like, what's going on? And uh, the, the brothers dig, and they're like, there's something going on here. And then they find the bike, uh, which is the smoking gun of this episode. Uh, speaking of smoking gun, mm -hmm. they pull the gun out, they turn around, Jake is pointing a gun at them because cops are bastards. Um... They're they're like you can't bury the truth, Jake. Very <laughs> explicit metaphor here. Uh, it's funny. I love yes. when the dialogue is terrible. Although as a broader line, I thought it was like just as something to carry through. Yeah. To the rest of the show. Yeah, I mean, like thematically, it's important. The truth but it's about very what happened on the their... nose in this yes. scene. Yeah, it's very on the nose. It's yes, fine. Exactly. That's the genre we're in. It's like sometimes you gotta yeah. have on the nose metaphors. Like it's it's all right. I, t I tend to not like I like to approach stories based on like what is the who is the audience of the story what exactly is the genre mm -hmm. we're working in and urban fantasy like this does yeah. very often deal in broad like explicit kind of goofy metaphors but it's it's good I don't I don't mind it at this mm -hmm. point Andrea Andrea sees through the window that her dad is pointing yes. a gun at these guys and she tells Lucas to go mm -hmm. to his room. Um I think that this line where she tells him to go to his room is like uh you're really reminiscent of the one where Don John tells Dean to take Sam out of the house. It's just like formatted very similarly. Yeah. Um, Except uh in reverse. Well, yeah. Exactly, in it's in house. reverse because the house is supposed mm -hmm. to be the place of safety as yeah. opposed to when the house is on fire. Um and then yeah, she Lucas doesn't to lock stay in the, the house. Door, yeah. Even. So she says, "Don't come back! Don't come out!" As opposed to John's, "Don't look back." Like I think I thought it was like really like it gave me chills. Mm -hmm. That's good paralleling, yeah. Continuing the Lucas and Dean exactly. parallels, but Lucas doesn't <laughs> listen. No. Well, in fairness, he's like possessed or something. He hears Peter's calling. Yeah. Him, so uh, Dean goes full detective and is like, "I figured this shit out. You killed Peter Sweeney, uh, the kid, thirty years ago." Um, Andrea shows up. Uh, it's like, "Dad, you're pointing a gun at them." And uh, Sam's like, it's going to kill everybody you love. He's like, how do you know that? You're, you guys are crazy. Um, and they're like, we got to take care of this ghost, you idiot. Tell us where you buried Peter. Uh, Peter tells Lucas to come play with them. And Lucas is like, okay. Uh, just doesn't listen to his mom. Uh, goes off. It's cut back to the scene. They're talking about this. Andrea's like, tell me you didn't kill anyone, Dad. And then he just fucking breaks. He just melts. Uh, being confronted by the brothers didn't didn't do it, but his daughter, like talking to him mm -hmm. about it, he cannot lie to his daughter. Which, which is a again, nice callback to the pilot. The how the kids yeah. can stop the parents. Yep, 
And yeah, then they talk about how they were shitty children and uh, bullied him and accidentally drowned him. And uh, this is where we go back to the to the body sinking, which bodies don't do. But uh, but yeah, they're like, well, this is bad. We need to get away from the lake. And then they realize that Lucas is at the lake. Uh, Lucas gets pulled into the water. Basically everyone, but this is actually this is actually the first time we see Peter a little bit. We oh, see yeah. his hand take Lucas. Yes, we see his Until hand now, we've just seen like water. creepy underwater so shots. So creepy. Yeah, the uh, the makeup. It was yeah, it was very it was creepy. Um, oh yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah. Was, he's like a creepy, like, pale, like swampy ghost monster. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like he's almost in black and white. Yes, he's like um, very gray with the dark circles over his eyes. I felt like the lighting was even yeah. more washed out in this scene than it was earlier. So yeah, anyway, he goes under the water. Uh, Andrea wants to go in after him. The brothers are like, "No, we'll do it." Uh, Dean's already in the water. Sam dives in. Uh, they both come up. They can't find him. Jake has gone into the water. Fully believes it's a ghost now. Says like, "Peter, I'm sorry." He says he's just a little boy. Please, it's not his fault. It's mine. Take me. Uh, Dean and Sam come up for air again. Uh, and then Peter surfaces and tra- drags Jake down. Uh, in what? I felt like overall it was a very affecting scene. Except However, for the arm wobble. Except for the except for the arm wiggle. It looked like he was waving goodbye. It was it was very silly looking. Yeah. It was very silly. It like mm-hmm. I, Unfortunately the show like sets up extremely good tension and then breaks it twice in a row, both with the very stupid CGI boat and then this like extremely like floppy arms. Yeah, floppy arms, like, well, guess I'll die, like, face <laughs> on him. <laughs> he did not, despite being overall a good actor in this episode, uh, he does not sell drowning very well, unfortunately. I don't think they should have yeah, had was, that yeah. shot. They should have just had him disappear. Yeah. That would have been good. Yeah, I think it was really it was weird, weird to have that um, linger. Anyway, he gets pulled down, and then uh, Lucas is let go, and it's fine. Well, there's a really, like, long moment where you think that they're you're both right, gone. You're right, you're right, you're right. Like, and Andrea that, thinks they're it? both gone. And then Dean surfaces with Lucas yes. in his arms, yeah, and it's, it's a good very shot. much like, it is a good yeah. Shot. Just wanted to call that out. We also see uh, the spooky ghost kid under the water briefly, and it is it is it continues to be good. Mm-hmm. Practical effects. Who could have <laughs> thought? Yeah. And anyway, then Dean Dean saves him slash uh, Peter. Let him go. Uh, it's probably a mixture of the two. Um, cut to epilogue. Uh, Lucas is verbal again. Uh, the <laughs> Lucas we we discover Lucas's verbal again. By Dean saying, "This is a no, very no, important no, phrase." No, 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 it's you... not. That's, oh, that's no? second thing Lucas says. Lucas actually says, oh, "Can I give it to them now?" Right? Can I give it to them now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sorry, never then mind. Then he says the next thing that you were gonna yes. go for. Go for it. Yeah, they make them. They make them sandwiches. It's really sweet. Um, <laughs> the fact that <laughs> the fact that they get paid in sandwiches is funny to me. Is what I yeah. what I wrote down. Listen, they um, need food. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, they do need food. They those are it's a big platter. There's a lot of sandwiches there. Yeah, I was like, uh, is she just sacrificing this plate to these yeah, two strangers? Uh-huh. <laughs> they saved that her plate's son's gonna end life. up in a goodwill. They did. They did do that. I mean, I guess that's true. Uh, you guys are like, but, wow. Like, they they make plastic platters. They sell them at Walmart. <laughs> anyway, it's so many sandwiches. They're gonna have to eat so many sandwiches before those go stale. Also, Lucas insisted on making them himself, so they're probably like. Lucas made too many. <laughs> first of all, poorly put together, yeah. and probably like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. And butter. yeah. Which don't get me wrong, Dean would dig, but. Yeah, 
It's very cute. They're made with love. I'm sure mm -hmm. the they'll be tasty for that reason. Anyway, uh, then we get on to the most important part of this episode, where Dean says, <laughs> if you're going to be talking now, this is a very important phrase, so I want you to repeat it one more time. And Lucas says, Zeppelin rules! And they give each other a high five, and it's extremely cute. It's so cute. It's so I good. love that scene so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have two it's things so to sweet. highlight in this scene. Um, Andrea says, you know, she can't ask for more than that. But then she says, Dad loved me. He loved Lucas. No matter what he did, I just have to hold mm -hmm. on to that, which is nice because we've got, like, strong uh, Dean parallels going on there of just the, the yes. you know, your parents love you. That excuses whatever shit they pull, including murder. Um, uh-huh. I mean, okay, yeah. murder's a strong word. It was an accident, but he did bury his crimes, yeah. so... Well, manslaughter. They were, mm, they were bullies. They, yeah, like, but they weren't trying to kill him. I don't think murder is the right they word, but it was a, a... Yeah. It's manslaughter, like, legally speaking, yeah. I think. It, but it's not like they were playing... It's not like they were playing in the lake, and then, like, he accidentally drowned or something. It's no, like they, they were being... Yeah. They, they were definitely being shitty. They did cause his death, but yes. it wasn't, like... Premeditated. They were shitty yeah. children. They were being very irresponsible. Um, I also want to point out that he Dean tells Lucas to take care of his mom, which is probably the worst yeah, thing Dean says again. in this episode, because yep. like, that's yeah, not something no, you put on bad. a kid, and he should know that as somebody who has too much responsibility on him as a child. Big, like, um, you're the like man of the house mm -hmm. now, yeah. like, seven-year-old child, or however old Lucas is. Yeah. You gotta yeah. take care of your mom. It's like, she's a grown woman. She can take care of her fucking self. <laughs> right? Take care of your mom. Yeah. Like, that's a kid. I can, I I can understand it. I guess from an emotional standpoint of like you're all she's got left. Mm -hmm. Like her dad's dead. Like take care of her emotionally, but that's not usually. That's what that still means. not a burden you put yeah. on a child. No, yeah, it should also that yes. I feel like it's also something that just gets said. Yeah, and, but it like never acknowledges platitude, like what it means. Like a good expression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It should not be yeah. a platitude. Um, I also think the color came back a little bit yeah. in this scene, oh, yeah. which is of course to be expected. Yeah, like, it does. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. She's she's wearing like a bright pink shirt or something like that. Like she's wearing color. You can actually see what color Lucas's hair yeah. is, things like that. Um, it's sunny. The twilight filter is almost gone. Final thing that happens, uh, Andrea gives Dean a kiss, which I don't know how I feel about that. It was her decision to make. Yeah. Uh, she did save their... But also, but also she's a fictional yeah, character. Exactly. Who was written by well, I mean, like, I mean, he didn't go for the kiss at the very least, um, but yeah, it did feel yeah. very much like this is your reward. I am the yeah. I am the princess that you've saved and bestowing upon you my favor in the form of a kiss. It's very it's it's very much like it reminds me a lot of Star Trek, which is probably one of the other things that does this most often with Riker and Kirk is the woman yeah. character giving a kiss bestows, um, bestows like you did a good job man i will smooch you now yeah and it's like if you weren't such a you know free-flowing yeah. person maybe we could yeah. have sex yeah i mean there's like this constant idea that like if at any point if they wanted to they could just stop and settle down with a woman yeah so like I, sa yes, sam left the life and immediately found a girlfriend although there's plot reasons for that that we will get to in season four or five um, but, but, like, Sam can immediately get a girlfriend, Dean just, like, picks up women all around the country, he's got exes scattered across the country who apparently just let him move into their house sometimes, <laughs> but we will get to that. Like, <laughs> at any point, it is kind of, like, suggested that they could just 
you know, immediately have a wife if they felt like it. But for, you know, noble reasons, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. They're sacrificing. Noble noble and and tragic. tragic, Exactly. They're sacrificing their easy heterosexuality. They're sacrificing the the amanonormative. Yes, amanonormative to both of those things. Mm Finally, yeah. they uh, they're like, we'll 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 see you later. Uh, said Dean very gruffly after being kissed. The only response that he has is like, "Sam, move your ass. We gotta get out of here." Is like not engaging with this. Um, and they get into the car. Uh, very on the nose. Um, moving on by bad company yeah. place where it goes moving on yeah. from town to town is like yeah that that is what they're doing tv show uh and the impala drives off into the sunset yeah there's many many episodes of especially in the early seasons where it like ends on the car driving away like that's the established mm-hmm. shot of the end of the episode end of the show i guess mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Don't mention the supernatural finale within 15 feet of me. I'm across the country, Ash. I could not get further from you. I will fucking bite you, Emma. Um, I have a few notes that I didn't get to cover yet, so I'm just going to pop around the episode and see what I get. Yeah, Um, do it. I think it's interesting that we get a glimpse of what of like how Dean conceptualizes what Sam's been up to. He talks about pep rallies. He says college boy thinks he's so smart. Mm-hmm. He has like this kind of resentment yeah, like towards Sam for having this easy life while Zine was stuck with dad. And like specifically the idea that college boy thinks he's so smart stuck out to me. Like this idea that Dean never finished high school, right? He's got his GED and a given yeah. hell attitude, which is a line that comes up later. Mm-hmm. So I I wrote that line down that. too. But, it was, uh, yeah, like this, this stood out to me. Like I mentioned earlier, this like classism, this idea that you know education is a step up, a, a form of superiority. This idea that maybe Dean is kind of, you know, wishes he could have had that, but he was too busy shooting ghosts with his dad when he was. In John's journal, this is probably going to come up a lot because this drives me crazy. But the minimal amounts of information I can give right now is that. Um, in John's journal, which is like released as you know officially supported canon, even though it's not in the text of the show, um, John writes that he sent Dean on his first solo hunt when he was seventeen. So like that would have been in the middle of his senior year. We know that Dean has a GED. There's like he didn't have the option of going to college the way, mm-hmm. or or he Sam also shouldn't have had that option, right? But I guess in that classic younger sibling way, he got away with it. Um, <laughs> Do I have anything else? Oh, but there's a bit where, you know, when he finally finishes a sentence that I didn't actually go back to talk about, where Dean is talking to Lucas and he finally finishes a sentence about, when I was your age, I saw something real bad happen to my mom and I was scared too. I didn't feel like talking just like you. Like he says the words just like you. It's not subtle. And he says, but see my mom, I know she wanted me to be brave. I think about that every day and I do my best to be brave. So that that's just like dean thesis moments you know like he's driven by this urge to be who Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be according to his parents he is trying to be brave like consciously he thinks about his mom every day according to him and i mean it's not like he his environment kind of forces him to think about his mom because he's you know until now Mm -hmm. he's always around his dad who's driven by the loss of his wife um and also going back to the fact that dean probably doesn't remember mary very much yeah. just kind of like we know he has one memory caretaker yeah yeah um but like i think that this version of mary he has in his head which also kind of lines up in interesting ways with further canon surrounding mary which we'll yeah. get to 
but I don't want to spoil yeah, it right now. Yeah, spoilers. Because uh, it's fucking great. I, I want to hear why it's, like, reaction. So good. Uh, but, um, like, I think that this image of Mary is definitely one that was propped yes. up by John as a justification, where she is, like, uh, martyred, mm. yes. in a way, um, or sacrificed, which... Uh, I don't want to draw the the Christian comparison, but her name right. is Mary. Yeah, that's so. no, not it's not a coincidence. Like that was that. There's no way you did that by mistake. Yeah. you know, didn't have to name her that. Um, I think it's interesting. He says, "I know she wants me to be brave." Like, what kind of mom tells their four year old to be brave? That's like, a, I mean, it's not impossible, but it's it does yeah. feel unlikely. What reason would she have? Like, she tells Sam that angels are watching over him. Why would she tell Dean? No, to she, be tells, brave? she tells like Dean what the for angels think. Does, yes. does she? I think. Okay. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Right, I'm going to go go and say Yeah. <laughs> Crazy things I gotta going Google on this. in this television show. This show makes me lose my fucking mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also think um, it's really interesting that Sam goes, we're not going to save everybody. And Dean says, I know. Like, that's just... Dean is more bummed out about not saving this Jake guy. I know. I was like, it's okay. He's yeah. cop. <laughs> it's fine. Like, it's fine. <laughs> to not feel oh, bad about this. Knows, speaking of cops, um, that the boys are given the option to leave town instead of just being arrested, which is just like an extremely um, favorable yeah, option. It was, of, it was uh, very favorable wild view. west to me. Yeah, it was like, get out of my town. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Why, why are you offering that? The way Jake gets so aggressive feels very intentional. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is more of an anti-cop episode than the mm -hmm. pilot was because he is a cop who presumably was covering up his own crime. Yeah. yeah. And that was probably part of the reason why he became a cop. Mm, good read uh, And also a cop who uses his power to intimidate anybody yeah. who questions him. Yeah, there was an interesting thing with him early on about, like, his concern for the community or whatever. And I like that it turned out mm -hmm. that, like, yeah, his concern about the community is that he's hiding a dark secret. Which um, is a good segue into the thing I wanted to talk about, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Which is the fact that one of the things I like the best about um, like small town horror stories is when they are used, uh, when they are deployed in such a way that digs into often the darkness and secrets that are in small towns, uh, especially American small towns, mm -hmm. where... There's this idea of like, yeah, we're we're a community and everyone like keeps up appearances and is is polite to one another, etc. But like when people are when people live with to that degree of closeness around each other, but simultaneously live in the like garrison style closed off uh, nuclear family way of living, everyone in their own houses, like hiding things from each other, etc. And monsters and ghosts are a very good way of, like, dredging that shit up. Mm -hmm. And I really like the way this Well, because ghosts, yeah, ghosts are literally... literally that, yes. Ghosts are literally representations yes. of the past. That's yes. their purpose. Yeah. The point is, is that I felt like this episode was very effective at using horror uh, as a way to say something about the American small town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is what Supernatural, as a show based largely yeah. in the Midwest, uh, largely in small towns, small cities about the size of my city, at, like, that's, like, about the biggest. I mean, they go to Seattle a couple times, um, but even then it's meant to be, like, more of a community mm -hmm. problem rather than, like, yeah, we're in New York City. <laughs> yeah solving this weird ghost murder but i think like 
the most effective supernatural episodes and the most effective supernatural theses cover that idea of like not only rural horror but what is the horror of being rural yeah um because urban and rural has very different views of horror but especially rural like traditional like we talked about this in my horror class when we read Veland, um the idea of like the landowning gentry feeling like they are being taken over by the urbanites and that sort of thing like i feel like there's still the ghost of that in a lot of rural mm-hmm. stories and i think really effective rural horror kind of drags that up it uh makes me wish that the show wasn't quite as white as it is because yeah. of how, yeah. how the horror, especially yeah. the horror of small town America is often very focused on uh, whiteness and the preservation of whiteness and the what counts yes. as a place of safety to what kind of people. <laughs> well, uh, just wait until we get mm-hmm. to Route 666. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Oh my god. Can't wait. Racist Can't wait truck. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, just briefly, I forgot to mention that when Dean is giving this speech to Lucas and then... Like, right afterwards, Sam is like, you never told me about that. And he's like, it's no big deal. We're not going to have to hug, are mm-hmm. we? So, like, this kind of defensiveness, this retreat back into his persona. Oh, yeah. He can he can open up to Lucas because he relates to him and he's just a kid and he's not going to tell anybody. But when Sam poke, pokes at that same wound, Sam is, immediately retreats back into that shell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dean, Dean does not want to open up emotionally to Sam because Sam is too yeah. close. Lucas is someone he can empathize with, but Sam is someone he was taking care of. So he had to sh- he had to shut away his own emotional trauma to take care of Sam. Um, he's not allowed to feel things around Sam. And also because Sam is his brother and he has to perform masculinity in front of him. That's why he's allergic to like chick flick moments, quote uh-huh. unquote. Um, and why their version of masculine bonding includes sitting on the hood of the car drinking beer. I mean, there's there's that good with stuff. The, um, I don't know if it was a post or just like a general joke, but the idea, um, as you mentioned, about how there's a joke about the like standard format for the cold opens. There's also just the general format of an episode where they're sitting around in the car. There's the cold open where someone gets murdered and there's a blood spurt, and then. Dean and Sam are in the car, and one of them says, do you want to talk about your feelings after what happened last episode? And the other one goes, nope. And then they solve a murder, and then they sit in the car again and say, do you want to talk about your feelings? And they go, nope, and drive away. And it just keeps it just keeps happening and compiling for 15 fucking seasons. Packs, packs roof of, uh, of car. This baby can hold so much trauma. Literally, thesis oh, statement. Literally thesis statement. Head in my hands. Sometimes when they're feeling especially open, they go, do you want to talk about your feelings? And the other one goes, sometimes I feel sad, but I don't know how to talk about it. And then they drive away. (laughs) Yeah. God, somebody send these guys to therapy. Oh, there's so much. There's so much. Next time, we are talking about uh, episode four, Phantom Traveler, where we get introduced to demons for the first time. Um, episode five, which is all about Bloody Mary and, uh, kind of like the, the way stories are told. Uh, and episode six, which is one of the best episodes of season one, in my opinion, um, Skin, where we get introduced to shifters for the first time. And there's a lot of conversation around identity and what makes a monster. And also, uh, there's a song about being trans or a male prostitute or something. 
uh, playing uh, over, over something. the top. Over something. It's a very okay. key scene. Yeah. We're going to keep that to next episode. Over some stuff. It's very cinematographically interesting. Yes. Very good episode. Uh, I have many, many notes on it. It's, it's tasty. Uh, I can't wait. I don't know. Is there an outro? Until until next time, we we're going to ride off into the sunset yeah. like the boys. <laughs> Slam the trunk. My we got work playing in the background. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Okay. Can we get, like, a mini cover of Carry On My Way? The music used on Word of Godcast is The Last Ones by Jazar on freemusicarchive.org. Licensed under an attribution share alike 3.0 international license. Find a link in the episode description. Yeah.